And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Well, 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 welcome to episode 55 of Down on the Docks. Hey, everybody. My name's Chris Neff. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and uh, buddy who uh, just had a first date at uh, the movie Barbie and forgot mm -hmm. to pay his check at Applebee's because mm -hmm. the waitress screwed up. Dave, Sarah, how are you, buddy? Hello. It's yeah. not at all what happened. Well, just tell us since I screwed nope. it up. No, nope. that's it. Okay. Waitress showed up the concession stand at the movie theater she followed you to the movie theater said that i paid the wrong tab the cheaper one well, that's her was, fault and uh and then i got refunded the um the amount and never went back and paid the uh the other the bigger amount <laughs> so, so she she went across the street and found you at the concession stand she fucking went across the street and was like hey um yeah you didn't pay the right bill I'm like actually you did it for me because you have to do it at applebee's it's First all remote all, now and it's shit. all done at the fucking yeah. little stations and bullshit so stupid whatever well that's their problem. Suey. If you screw up, I'm eating it. I'm not yeah. gonna go track somebody down on nah, a date and yeah. be like, "Oh, sorry, I gave you the wrong check." Nope. Coming off a a, a two bar trail. <laughs> a lot of people are sending DMs about the Beaver trilogy. Yeah, had people asking where they could find the original uh, three found films. Them. So if you do need a link, just ask. I did post it on Twitter. Um, did you get around to watching the Beaver Trilogy, Dave? Fuck no. Okay, I didn't think that was going to happen. Come on. Um, I got video games to play. Of course you do. Um, big week this week. <laughs> Paychecks not, and uh, checks not to pay. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Like bills. Big week this week. Yes. Um, this week, we're going to cover something that's very close to my heart. Yeah. Um, Poison, hopefully. <laughs> it's, here's the thing. Before we get into it, Let's do our duties around here. Yeah. If you're just joining us, please find us on social media. Mm -hmm. Add us on uh, Twitter at Down on the Docks. And of course, Instagram at Down on the Docks Pod. And if you like what you hear, please go to uh, Apple Pod, leave us a review. Um, and then you can also send us an email. Where do they do that, Dave? Down on the Docks at gmail.com. D-O-C-S. Yep. That's correct. Like documentaries. And of course, we need to give a shout out to our, um, our, our benefactor, uh -huh. Our sponsor, uh -huh. Dave. Can you tell us who our week's uh, this week's sure. show is sponsored by? This week's episode of Down on the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms, established in 2016, San Diego. By the way, Broccoli Farms 619 on Instagram. Mm -hmm. San Diego, California, by Candace entrepreneur Anthony Bird, our friend Anthony. Nice guy. Never met him. Great guy. Never met him. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world by combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide. Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms. How many times did I say cannabis now? Three, four, maybe four, five. Four. I think four times. You know what? That's also my fault. The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego, bar none. All right. Dave, like Sticky I said. Sticky strips. Yeah. Bong wraps. Sticky strips. <laughs> um, by the way, we're going to talk about pot in this a lot oh, tough, tough, tough. There's a I talk great, about pot every day. There's a great pot story in the middle of the script. I, dude, when you're over 40 uh -huh. when you call it pot uh sorry the, the marijuana the cigarettes the <laughs> okay. reefer reefer the only person that can call it pot yeah. and still be funny 
is the guy from uh, Grandma's Boy. So I, always I don't understand. What do all the cool kids pot. refer to pot just as? Call it weed, baby. It's just weed. Weed. OG. Kush. Don't even use Kush anymore. Outdoor. Oh, I need some, I need some OG. I hear the kids calling <clears throat> it flower a lot these days. That's a newer thing. It's not that it's newer. It's older. Yeah. But it's something to distinguish between I'm going to smoke up some because like a lot of people are hitting the dabs these days. That's that just looks like they're smoking crack. They're smoking the dabs, smoking the pen, smoking the flower. That's a vape pen. Yeah. yeah. You say pen, you say vape, yeah. whatever you say pen. You don't say vape. Okay. Pens out. Okay. Vapes in. Got it. And then you smoke the flower. Got it. Although for a little bit of time, I had one of those vaporizer pens that you could put flour in. It, it was a two-in-one combo. Bed. It's not a two-in-one. It's just, it's just a special top yep. that will vaporize you know a flour lot on tops. the spot. Yeah, because I'm not a bottom bitch. Uh-huh. Keep going. I'm a top bitch. No, and uh, they, they, it's like a special little thing that you can vaporize weed with and make it like a a, a, a vape. Got it. And it's uh it's fucking amazing. Okay, it, but it's just kind of finicky and doesn't always work, and it gets dirty quick. All right, All right let's go. Flower power it is. Um, yeah. This week's episode is called Valley Uprising. Mm-hmm. It is directed by Peter Mortimer and Nick Rosen. Did it start in Reseda? I bet it started in Reseda. Oh, I see what you did. It took me a second. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about Magnolia and the significance of Magnolia Street, right? No. Magnolia, the street, the one that runs parallel to the mountains in the valley. Oh, I thought it was like the 66th parallel. Like no, no, no. It's just that, like one of my favorite movies of all time is <laughs> no. Magnolia no. by Paul Thomas Anderson. Don't know who that is. <laughs> You're such a fucking weirdo. I don't know who that is. He did Boogie Nights? Barely even saw it. Dude, you're a moron. These I, are some of the best films. Not into dramas. <sighs> okay. Anyway. Except for There Will Be Blood. Okay. When I find a drama I like, I watch it three times in a row like I did with There Will Be Blood. Okay. You need to do the same thing and with Django. Magnolia. <laughs> And the same thing with Boogie Nights, because they're okay. two of the best films of the last 25 years. Yeah, that's coming from you. Anyway, Magnolia is is the intersection where this story of all these different characters happens in Magnolia. Well, it's also where I used to run a bar show, the mm. Foxfire. Oh. That bar was on Magnolia Boulevard. Wow. And more importantly, they shot scenes inside that bar. Because cool. that's how cool and hardcore Paul Thomas Anderson is. Cool. He's like, if I'm doing a, mag- a movie called Magnolia, I'm shooting the bar scenes at a bar that's on Magnolia. There's a Magnolia out in Orange County also. I wonder if it's the same connecting Magnolia. I doubt it. It can't no. be. I mean, it's a main street. It could yeah, be. it's not going to go that way, though. You know, Magnolia's a major thorough- thoroughfare east-west. In yeah, east-west. Yeah, yeah. In- anyway, enough about Magnolia. Go see it if you haven't oh, seen no, it. Oh, right, It wouldn't go down to Orange No, County. no. That's why I'm here. So um, this is a climbing It document. could curve like a lot of the roads. Yeah, we're going to talk about the movie now. So, <laughs> But it's called Magnolia, I thought, the movie. <laughs> no, it's called Valley Uprising. Oh, shit. <laughs> Just so you know, this is a climbing documentary. Sick. Um, big fan of the climbers, dude. Here's the thing. I solo. I'm gonna tell you right free now. Free solo. Well, here we'll get to that. This is gonna be a two part episode. Eh. Now I. <laughs> Great way to give the listeners confidence. Eh. Eh. Here's Turn it off thing. and listen next week. I I've been like, well, we need to do a climbing documentary. Now I've got a plethora of them in the back pocket. So this is gonna be a series that we're gonna do, but we're not gonna do them in a row because we don't want to burn you guys out. But I thought climbing this, month. <laughs> <laughs> climb week climb week i thought this would be a nice uh entry into the climbing world okay because it's one it's like an oral history of like the first 
70 years of climbing. Yeah. So it's it's a very good story. Cool. Uh, but then we will get off. Do they talk just, about the the crux and the biscuit? Yes, they do. Wow. They we will get to the more uh, well known things like you were saying, like free solo. Free solo. We'll uh, we'll talk about the alpinist because I've had people asking about that. And then, of course, uh, we'll delve into uh, the Dawn Wall, which is my favorite climbing documentary. The Dom Wall, <laughs> the Dawn Wall. Oh, like Don Donald Trump? It's no the, the Wall of Donald it's Trump. The southeast side of El Capitan. Yes, which faces the sun. Yes, so it's called the Dawn Wall. It's I also was, yes I the most called, sheer cliff. Yes, of all of Yosemite Valley's uh, uh, monoliths. Okay, so it's an extremely difficult climb. But we're going to touch. A, we'll talk a little bit about the Dawn Wall here. Dawn but wall. Um, here's how the movie starts. Half Dome. Half Dome is big part, part of, of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Half yeah. Dome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the film opens a little bit with uh, we see a white van mm-hmm. driving into Yosemite National Park in it's, the present day, mm-hmm. and human w- trafficking. Correct. Yes. Continue. <laughs> hey kids you want some candy i'm going to the climb some rocks let's go climb some rocks so we see immediately these breathtaking views of el capitan sure and of course half dome Mm -hmm. uh those are the two big monoliths now just for a little perspective half dome is about two thousand feet up in the air that's crazy yeah well el cap's three thousand that's fucking nuts dude so fucking these motherfuckers. Have you ever oh, been to Yosemite? Goodness. Never. That's Neither have I. I've never done Yosemite. I've never done Yellowstone. Well, you know, uh, always wanted to. What was the- Yosemite's nearby? Yeah, it's Cal. It's in no, not. It's in New Mac, Nevada. It, it's in California. It is in bro. California. It's okay. one of okay, our okay, most okay, okay. revered state yes, parks. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Sure it's, it's a safe. national park as yes, well. Sir. So uh, I've never been. I need to go. Uh, not to be confused with Jellystone Park. Never um, heard of that. Is that dude, where is that where you, the is that where yeah. the bear was from? Yeah, Je- yeah Jellystone. Jellystone. Okay, but um, what's the bear's name? Yogi. Yogi. Yogi and Boo Boo. Yogi. That's funny because he's <laughs> Yogi. Sounds like Yosemite. That's why I always thought it was a combination of the two. I Jellystone, was like, obviously. Yeah, Yellowstone and Yogi. Yeah. Yosemite. Okay. Right, so anyway, we see these uh, gorgeous, gorgeous views of these granite cliffs. And just to give you an idea on perspective, these cliffs uh, did a little digging. 100 million years old. That's how long these things have been standing there. Cool. Um, well, we hear uh, about... You know, that the planet's older than that, right? Yeah, I do. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 4.3 billion. Last dirt. time I checked. Just imagine how old dirt is. Well, it gives you some perspective about how young these rocks are yeah. in comparison to the planet. Yeah. Um, obviously uh, created through, um, what do you call it? Ice Age shit. Don't even, don't try it, dude. You don't even know. You might as well think the earth was flat. <laughs> so anyway, um, we hear a, a, someone say, why do why do people climb walls? And at this point, we are introduced to free soloist extraordinaire Alex Honnold. The now, best. Dude. The best. You want to talk about just mind-blowing shit. Yeah. So, Look at his hands. Yeah, well, let's... <laughs> His hands are crazy. <laughs> For those that you don't know, Alex Honnold, free soloed. Uh, he's free soloed. El Capitan. El Capitan and the Dome. And Half Dome. Now, he's the only person on the, the media, planet. Like the media, like, let's just, okay, and I'm not, this is not taking yeah. anything away from him. Yeah. He did, like, mid-range paths. So he didn't do the hard, I'm not saying he can't do the hard paths, right. free solo or right. otherwise. Right. But I'm just letting people know that like he does like a path. That, I don't like, know if that, it was like, free rider or Zodiac I'm saying, or I'm, look, I don't look, look, I'm not talking shit. You're trying to take I'm, shit away from I'm him and I don't that, like this at all. All I'm saying is a 16 year old can do it in a weekend. Okay. No, no. And he did it in one day, free solo, but 
here's the thing. I'm just joking. I'm just uh, I recently about. read an article about his accomplishment, and I remember watching this and saying, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, that chick that interviewed him for 60 Minutes wanted to fuck him so Was bad. Was that Laura? I don't know. The British bitch. Yeah, that's Laura. She's so She's fucking She's the one that hot, got dude. in trouble for some for reporting. Blow? No, she got... Beach, no? Okay. She got busted for some unethical reporting in hmm. like Saudi Arabia or something years ago. Well, uh, CNN busted her? No, she well, was 60 who's, Minutes. Who's 60 Minutes? CBS? Yeah. CBS busted her? Somebody oh. came out. Anyway, we're getting off too, yeah, too yeah. off topic. Let's go, let's go. Um, anyway. Alex Handel comes on screen. Here's the thing. When I watch this, when you think about it, there's nothing to compare this to. Athletic-wise, um, no. feats of daring. This <clears throat> blows Houdini out of the water. This blows... Uh, Evil Knievel out of the water. Water. Yeah. This is going up and saying, if I sneeze or get a cramp mm -hmm. at the it's wrong over. time because I forgot to eat a banana, yeah. I'm fucking dead. Yeah, it's the, okay? the guy explains it perfectly. He says talks about how you your your diaph diaphragm will shut down if you start to panic. You won't be able to breathe correctly. Your fucking right. heart rate starts to increase. All those things. Like think of him, think of an athlete, and think of like where they have their heart rate going at all times. Yeah. And think of what his heart rate is. Probably the speed of a turtle. Yeah, it's the same as Hannibal Lecter's. Okay. okay? Yeah. You know that line. Steady hands. Like, his heart rate never got about above sixty after he ate her face. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, you have to be a stone blood killer. Yeah. And you probably do have serial killer tendencies in you. Yeah. To do this kind of shit, you just direct it towards the wall. Yeah. He, the guy has the blackest eyes ever. I know. It's, it's creepy. creepy. It yeah. is creepy. He's soulless. Yeah. Uh, but you got to remember, let's say you're up on there. You get a crag. Uh, you know, that's where you put your finger in, you know, because a lot of times you're holding your entire body weight by just your finger. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. a knuckle or whatever. Yeah, like a whole couple but fingers. Let's say you get a little moisture up there or, you know, a little gale, a little wind. I mean, these are the things I think about when I'm watching this. Yeah. Beyond the fact that he's making these technical moves that you have to practically be a spider monkey to do. You're right. I mean, it's amazing shit. So the one thing I want to say about this is it's tough to translate a documentary like this because they're telling a story while you're constantly seeing all these amazing images of climbers doing their thing. Yeah. So I encourage you, whether you like this podcast or not, go watch this. I have a feeling you might watch this. Now, you've never watched Maybe, one, but no. I still... <laughs> Maybe. But th I mean, I, this actually is because I, I do love the, the rock climbing stuff. Right. So well, this will be interesting to find out at the end okay. if you're going to watch this. So sure. anyway, Alex Honnold says that's a really good question. Is it free, by the way? Um, this is on Prime right now. So oh. if you have Prime, it's free. Okay, if I have Prime, then maybe I'll watch it, but probably. Right. So mm. he says it's a really good question. Well, we hear another climber named Warren Harding, mm -hmm. and he's an uh, uh, older guy. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Vintage. He yeah. says, because we're insane. Smoking a cigarette while he's climbing yes. and shit. Yes, how did you know? I, I've seen a couple of climbing okay. documentaries. Can't be any other reason. And then we hear another own climber that says, the beautiful thing about climbing to me is you just can't justify it it doesn't pretend to be anything useful uh another one says some of us need to go up there forging into the unknown another your whole being is completely absorbed in the experience a moving meditation your sense of awareness just opens up and you feel like you could go on forever if you're a climber and you dedicate your life to the pursuit of gravity you have to make a pilgrimage to yosemite 
another climber shows up, here is the place. There is only one Yosemite, the proving ground, the center of the universe, the mecca of rock climbing. Yosemite. Yes. This is where it all started. This is where it took off. Hmm. Now, the history of rock climbing, according to one of the climbers, is written on these walls. It's a lineage. They all go to the valley to stand on the shoulders of giants. Now, that sounds like hyperbole, but it's not. No. As you're about to hear. To push I mean, climbing really in its current form, like how for sport, is really only 40 years old, 50 years old, really? It's a little bit older than that. Okay. Um, I guess like Alps climbers and shit yeah. back in the day. Well, you got to remember George Ice Mallory. Climbing. George Mallory what? died in like 21 on Everest. Yeah. And then I don't know if you know this. You know, I know, but that's kind of different than what I'm talking about. Yeah, this is rock climbing. This is like, yeah, yeah. you're talking about ice. I mean, they've been yeah. doing that for years. Old. Even before, but you know what's funny to me? Hanold is the type of guy. Hanold, little Honold. respect for Honold, fucking dark ice. Hanold is going to be one of those guys that gets killed by like a homeless man walking back to his car like after finishing. As opposed like to like falling. Exactly. Yeah. He's, He's be, like, that good. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, anyway, um, it's about pushing yourself to yeah. see what's possible. There is a female that's interviewed quite a lot in this, and she's a very famous climber in her own right. Her name's Lynn Hill. You're going to learn she about her. Familiar too. Uh, she says, it's a bunch of mad men doing crazy things, trying to live their mark and set n- new standards, pushing the limits and also pissing off the status quo. Another one says, people living on the fringe, strange, scruffy nutcases. Have you ever heard the term dirtbag? Yeah. That's what climbers refer to themselves as. Dirtbags. Dirtbags. Like if you're a real climber, you're, you're a, a dirtbag. Dirt Why? In fact, what's well, the what's the term? It's what does term dirtbag mean? It just means that Was that a wasn't a teenage mutant ninja turtle also a uh, uh, enemy? I don't villain? know. I don't dirt know. Dirtbag and bebop. But <laughs> that's rocksteady, <laughs> never mind. There's actually another doc we're going to cover called Dirtbag, which is about Fred Becky's life. Which one's Fred Becky? You'll find out when mustache? we do. Mustache? No. Jew? No. <laughs> no? Okay. Not a mustache? Okay. Old white guy. Okay. So uh, you're going to learn about Fred Becky when we do Dirtbag. Okay. I recently watched that too. Do you know who Yvonne Chouinard is? Mm, I got to see the pictures of some of these guys. Like They all have iconic climbing pictures that I recognize well, them all from. He says... Seekers, visionaries, weirdos living the dirtbag existence. So he was a climber. Well, he also happens to be the man that I'm created. sure it just means you got a bunch of dirt in your bag, in your sleeping bag. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're just like, I don't know. Yeah, you're a scumbag. You're going to filter it. through the garbage to, to eat. Yeah, I know what it means. Um, well, Yvonne Chouinard was a climber, and then he later founded the company Patagonia. Okay, that's where I know him yeah. from. We did you a, remember Pat? Patty, we, Patagonia? Whammo, Whammo did their, Whammo <laughs> did a bunch of shit for their for one of their parties or something. We got to go to some shit. Too. Well, when fun. I was growing up, got to rub elbows. With when I was growing up, if you had Patagonia gear, you were the shit. Yeah, you still are. Patagonia is yeah. hot top, top. It's like it. Okay. It's like, it's like a cool North face. Like yes. North, North face for the longest time was geeky, high yes. end, really good shit yeah. that like you'd buy once or twice or three times in your lifetime, like yeah. you buy a fucking over, you know, you'd buy a North Face something, yeah. it'll last forever. But then recently in the last maybe 10 years, it's gotten kind of cool and f- sort of fashionable. Yeah. Accepted, fashionably accepted. Yeah. Patagonia was always like, ah, oh, this is some cool shit. Like they always had a really, people wore their shirts Do around. Do you know that North Face's logo is 
is yeah half dome half dome yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. well yeah i mean like in patagonia shit all their pics all their north face pictures are all taken in yosemite yeah i have a patagonia sailing jacket that yeah. i bought when i sailed in like the early 90s i still wear it yeah you know it's yeah. quality gear but my whole point is like when we were growing up in like the 80s yeah it was very yuppie yeah yeah that's exactly patagonia yeah stuff. Uh, that stuff back all that stuff back then anything yeah. any any anything that you had that was like specific to a certain sport, like if you had the clothing, it was all expensive. If you needed like tennis gear or like in the 80s and 90s, if you wanted tennis gear, if you wanted a skiing gear or climb, all that shit was high-end, super expensive, yuppie shit anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the but Patagonia it, really kind of became a fashion sense. Yeah, but Patagonia was the top echelon. For sure. It's better for sure. than Colombia, you know? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But, and they also have environmental ethics that give them a lot of boost oh, in that cool. scene. That's so. nice. Anyway, we're going to see some black and white pictures from these, uh, these men standing behind Yosemite's fabled half dome. And then there's a narrator. Do you know Peter Sarsgaard? Uh, the guy who played it, yes. Unless the, that was Ewan McGregor, no. Sarsgaard, Sarsgaard, Sarsgaard. But Two there's a, in the middle. There, of right, it. There's a Stellan Sarsgaard and there's a Peter Sarsgaard. I think it's just Peter. The guy that has a weird looking chin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fucking creeper. He's, he's a got creeper. a lazy eye too. Creeper. So he does. He kind of looks like Chrissy Mayer. Yeah. He handles the narration for this, and he says Yosemite's rock climbing revolution, revolution. began with a generation of climbers generation. who came of the age in the 1950s, a time when America was feeling anything but adventurous. So this is post-World War II yeah. Eisenhower, uh -huh. and people are just happy to be content in the suburbs. Yeah, no more Nazis. Well, yes, in the years following... We defeated the Nazis. The nation settles into this safe... Yeah comfortable routine right. you got your picket fence and you're you know you're white keeping up with the joneses your trim lawns your newfangled kitchen appliances yeah. mm -hmm. well now we meet steve roper and he was one of the guys that was climbing back in the 50s and he says stupid american 1950s dream you're supposed to get <laughs> married have kids immediately buy a dishwasher Oh, I see what you're talking about. This is like the counterculture of exactly. that. Like living on your own. Exactly. Fucking in the sky. Yes. <laughs> sky <laughs> fucking. Sky Great Jack. Name. Sky Jack. Well, we also meet a man named Doug Robinson who says, you know, in mainstream America, safety and comfort were the primary values. There wasn't any outlet for the spirit of adventure. Now, I think this is normal behavior because... The post-World War II generation, or you know, the greatest generation, as Tom Brokaw has written about it extensively, you got to remember, you lost, two, what did we lose, 250,000 people, 250,000 Americans died in World War II? I don't even know. Point is, everybody went to I war back then. I don't feel like then. it was that much. No, it was. Okay. The point is, everybody went to war back then. Do you yeah. know what I mean? The Russians lost 20 million? How does that even happen? Uh, Stalin, Gulag, yeah, Gulags, yeah. you know. I know. By the way, I'm Stalin lost... killed more people than fucking Hitler, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Mao killed. Mao, 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 Mao said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> said, "Hold my beer." Did he kill eighty Mao million? Does have the record? I think sixty or eighty. By the way, million. you know what really bothers me? The About nobody, Mao? Yeah, the, what? there's a fucking kid. There's a restaurant in West Hollywood called Mao's Kitchen, and I don't get the allure. Okay, is it like mean? It's about President Mao. Yeah, it's called Chancellor Mao's Mao? Kitchen. I mean, there's Mao is a very common Chinese name. Well, it, when you walk in there and you see nothing but communist red in a picture of it, okay, it's that's pretty clear. different. It's pretty clear what you're getting into. That's 
that's different. So that I, has a Wuhan style lab underneath it. Yeah, I just have always that's blown me away. It's like we're really just gonna pretend that this fucking guy killed what, thirty never, million people. Sixties or seventy. It's a big it's number. Up it's up there. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's called Mal's Kitchen. In fact, I have a joke that's about hilarious. it. Let's because go. Because I, I ran into this girl online and I met her. This is a true story. I didn't, that doesn't seem like a place that would serve round eyes. Only <laughs> squinty-eyed so motherfuckers. My point is, I met this woman and she introduced herself and she's like, I'm a communist. And I was thinking, my, I wrote a joke about it and I'm like, where am I taking her on your first day? A fucking soup kitchen? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. A job it's fair? Funny. Or a mouse kitchen? <laughs> Not job fair. <laughs> Um, she said, uh, she also said in I, communism, you assign jobs. She said in her profile, I sew my own clothes and I responded to her. I said, I think you mean our clothes. Oh <laughs> so, shit. Anyway, let's get off the mouse kitchen thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, filling time. This is what you have to remember. As Peter Sarsgaard says, it was a time of change out in California. The beatnik movement led by writers like Jack Kerouac, called on young people to shake off the conformity and explore other ways of life. Now, while we're on the subject, have you ever read On the Road, Dave? Nope. Okay, it's a book you need to read before you die. Okay. I read I, it. Can I listen to it on audio? Yeah, of course. It's, uh, how many pages? <laughs> it's slim, What's it called dude. again? On the Road. On the Road, It's okay. probably 300 pages tops. You can read it in an afternoon. Um, it's a very seminal book of the 50s, but, you know... Kerouac writes about some very famous people in there, gives them pseudonyms. Allen Ginsberg's yeah, in six, there. Seven bucks, audiobook. I'll for sure buy this. Okay, Three so, bucks. Let's so go. you've got Allen Ginsberg in this book. You've got William Burroughs in this book. This is a book everybody should read once in their life. For me, it was The Great Gatsby or Catcher oh, in the Rye. it's free on the internet, actually. Okay, it's good. nine and a half hours. Kerouac. That's would, a whole day of work. Let's do it. I'm yeah. down. Tomorrow. The whole point is okay. you have what I call... American novels of this century. Yeah, it's an Americana it's one classic. of them. Yeah. You've got The Great Gatsby. Garbage. Uh, a couple books by Hemingway. Catcher in the Rye, garbage. Catcher in the Rye, not... A, the it, Pearl Necklace. <laughs> What's the Pearl Necklace? Oh, wait, no, it's just The Pearl. The Pearl. John yeah. Steinbeck's yeah, The Pearl. Yeah. Grapes of Wrath would be up there. You know, anyway. I once watched a documentary, so after we watched, after we list, read The Grapes of Wrath, yeah. we watched a documentary, because I went to a 90% Hispanic high school, called the wrath of grapes oh. and it was a documentary on like the like grape wine making no grape and strawberry and orange pickers uh -huh. uh, mexican yeah. heritage the people that run like the, the produce the, for most yes, of america yes. that comes from our grapevine yes yes uh well and like the trials and tribulations all yeah, right let's go that's what the grapes of wrath there's is all a about. second book called on the road too uh, I don't know. No, but never mind. You should read. You should if you need. To, I'm retarded. Here's what, here's what you should read. You should read Big on, Sur on the road and on the road. Which That's, one's what's Big Sur about? Big Sur is about Jack basically confronting his alcoholism and basically Jack from the Titanic. No, Jack Kerouac. Oh, okay, um, it's about him basically talking about his alcoholism mm -hmm. and then he goes to Big Sur to try and find himself and mm -hmm. writes a poem about the waves in Big right, Sur. Well, that sounds gay. It's I'll do it on the road. I'll, I'll, listen, I'll, I'll listen to On the Road. But yeah, that goes for all our listeners. Okay, let's go. Um, so anyway, many flock to the coffee houses and jazz clubs in the city. Others hit the beach to catch waves while an adventurous few inspired by Kerouac's vision of a rucksack revolution headed for the hills where they would go to discover the world of rock climbing. 
It started in small suburban crags outside of San Francisco and Los Angeles. So next, we're going to meet another gentleman in this documentary who also happens to own his own clothing line. You ever hear of Royal Robins? Never. Okay, Royal Robins, they did clothing as well, outdoor stuff. Um, not as big of a name as um, Yvonne Chouinard's Patagonia, but they were contemporaries and climbed with each other. So Royal says, when I first came, by the way, apparently you go climb rocks, you start a clothing brand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pretty I mean, lucrative. I- Probably okay. Well, I'm not gonna get into it, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, Royal, you, just, you you meet all the right people. You know what you need. You make things. You you. What happens is Patagonia, North Face. They make a couple things that nobody else makes. Yeah, and the rest is merch. Yes, that's yeah. it. Well, an expensive merch. My sailing yeah. jacket was five hundred and fifty dollars yeah. in nineteen ninety three. Yeah, but it still holds up. Yeah, but those have his things back then, like they were that expensive, and they last yeah. and lasted forever. You could probably buy the same exact jacket for the same exact price these days, probably, and it you know be just as good. Well, when uh, Royal says when I first came here across um, climbing down there at Stony Point, I thought, wow, this is wonderful. That danger, that commitment and risk, we got hooked, frankly, on the adventure of it. Well, back then, rock climbing was mostly seen as a practice for mountaineering, as we were talking about earlier, uh, with a conservative focus on safety. So we see these grainy images. Like conservative focus on safety, meaning... Like they're they, all tied. They have ropes on each other. Okay, okay. It's like, that looks like the Boy Scouts are out in the backyard. Right, right. They're not... Know. In other words, okay, okay. Yeah. So Steve Roper describes it as old fuddy-duddies had all Because like, when rules. you say a conservative yeah. version of safety, it almost makes it seem like they weren't being safe at all. Like, well, keep in mind, think about it this way. Climbing back then, you had the alpinists, okay? People like Edmund Hillary, who did, <clears throat> yeah, Everest. did Everest. Mallory the, the Hillary step. Right. So before, before that, rock climbing didn't really exist. Right. So climbing, when it started, it was... Boy Scout trips. Loved it. That's how I got. I mean, I was a Boy Scout, obviously. I so, fucking love the knots were, and everything, dude. But yeah, love you were climbing shit. safely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so much fun. Roper. On uh, belay. Belay on. Roper describes it, like Roper, I said, boy. as there were these rules that the Fuddy Duddies created, and you can't climb a certain thing unless you're a, a qualified leader. But we wanted to have fun and said, fuck this. That's cool. <laughs> so, as long as they're safe about it. Then we meet Yvonne Chouinard. And he says, we all started out, you know, with tennis shoes, basically. Uh, Stole some ropes from the telephone company. No harnesses. You know, just put the rope around your waist. It was character building. And Peter says, in the hands of these young rebels, climbing would become a new adventure sport that seemed to defy gravity and common sense. So in vintage footage, we see a climber and he's hammering uh, a piton into a rock. You know what a piton is? Yeah, it's the little... uh, the anchor thing. Correct. The anchor holder. It's a piece holder. of metal. Yeah. It's got an eye in it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he tests, he sets the weight on the line and tests it. And all of a sudden, he just falls from the sky. Yeah. And just goes crashing down like 80 feet. Wow. So these are the type of guys that are, no, he's fine. Yeah, okay. But, he's just fine. No, but I mean, this is how dangerous this I shit know, is. I know, I know. So we also meet Joe uh, Fitchin and he says, rock climbing that kind of intensity was lacking in a lot of our lives, but also in the culture at large in those days. It was a counterculture sport, and it felt very good to be on the fringes. 
Well, on their quest for first ascents and virgin rock, the climbers explored ever deeper into the mountains of California until they discovered Yosemite. So the first part of the film um, is broken up from 1955 to 1970 and described as the golden age of climbing. So that's what we're going to start with. I always thought the golden age was the best time. That's the golden age. Mm. The best of times is when it starts. Uh, is it? Okay. No. Yeah, I'll let you judge. <laughs> yeah, I just fucking. So uh, Yosemite, just for you know, some perspective, it's centered around a 15-mile-long valley bound by glacier-carved walls of vertical rock, as we discussed before. Just <laughs> enormous rocks. Yeah. Just to give you some perspective, uh, how many Empire State Buildings do you think is made up of? Eight. You come on, be realistic. Of uh, El Capitan. Uh, oh, well, okay. Um, I'm know, just three. Yes, yeah. But think about that. That's insane. Yeah, yeah and they high. don't look that big, no, you know, because we've seen them so many times. And isn't it like if you want to just hike up there, isn't it just like you a can. two, two, three hour hike to the yeah, top? Yeah, it's more than that. Now here's oh, the okay. thing. You can hike up there, and we're going to talk about this in t uh, part two, and okay. we'll give you instructions on how to do that. Oh, interesting. Because uh, that's what you and I are going to do when we take a vacation. Let's go. So anyway. Same uh, sleeping bag. <laughs> okay, dirt bag. <laughs> uh, so Roper says it's just acres of beautiful granite, absolutely smooth and steep, almost made a believer out of me. Must be a god who can make something like that. It was a place that we could live out adventures. So gathering in Yosemite Valley was a group of climbers who would go on to etch their names in the history of these walls. Guys like Royal Robbins, Yvonne Chouinard, Tom Frost, Steve Roper, and Chuck Pratt. Boy, Steve Roper, what a name for I a climber. I know, I know. He got lucky. Well, it's almost as good as Steve Climber. <laughs> <laughs> so we see photos of these guys from back then and today. And I got to tell you, they look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they've, they have... This like when you fucking do that much of that kind of core exercising, every single little muscle in your body is yes. like toned out and the, at the perfect what it needs to be like. And there's no extra anything on you. Yeah. And the thing that my biggest takeaway from this is in every shot you see, whether it's from the 50s, the 60s, no, uh, the 70s, the 80s, all of these guys have definition. Yeah on every part of their body. They're all yeah. topless, shirtless. Yeah. yeah. But they're they're ripped. Yeah. There's not an ounce of fat on them. Yeah. Um so Chuck Pratt d just says we um it was a hardcore of really devoted climbers trying to raise the standards and push themselves. Another one says the primary vibration in the air was of high adventure. Well, up until the 50s, climbing in the valley was led by John Salathe. Uh, he was a, an eccentric Swiss guy um, who basically ran around the valley, uh, the valley, looking for like dinner in the meadows with like nuts and berries and shit. Well, he established the first big climbs on Yosemite's walls. Royal says, when we got to the valley, the king of Yosemite at that time was John Salathe. He climbed with such imagination and daring that we tried to emulate him. And we see pictures of these guys climbing with Salafe. Well, Salafe would mentor this new group of climbers in the rock craft of Yosemite using steel wedges called pitons to ascend the cracks and plotting routes up the faces. Yeah, you know what a pitch like, is? 
the what uh in like regards of like the angle of the of no the it's face? like it, it, when you do a route it's called a pitch oh, like you know. go from like pitch 12 to pitch 13 no, I don't know. yeah yeah so uh roper describes it as balls but yeah i mean stuff. there's like there's fucking anchors and pitons and shit from the fucking 60s and 70s still on the we're gonna talk about that still on the rock right might now. present they an environmental the, issue they don't have you think? like oh uh, interesting so they have like these like ratings like or an v, ethical v1 issue. v2 it's M1. actually c no there's all kinds of different yeah. ones we'll get it's to not just c we'll get to the ratings in yeah. part two so um you know balls out stuff way the hell up there like you're going to the moon or something um, Yvonne, the idea of devoting your life to climbing didn't exist anywhere else. We had a purpose. Climb hard, put up good roots. Only through climbing can you find yourself. Bullshit like that. Roper's a fucking uh, card. Yeah. You know, he's trying to get on those it, like high school, like motivational he, tours. He just speeches. cracks me up. You know, he speaks on both sides of his mouth and isn't afraid to be contradictory. And, you know, he's got humility and he can laugh at himself saying we were, you know, egomaniacs and full of shit at the same time. But and like, what, what kind of like passionate? Like, is there like, like what kind of real, like what, what kind of real story arc? We're going to get there. I mean, people are, like people, other than people dying, like we're going to get there. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, how dying. many people, by the way, let's do our over under. Okay. How many people do you think have died in Yos Yosemite while rock climbing and or base jumping? Oh, well, fucking base jumping is retarded. We'll get to um, that. I, I already know a bunch of people have died from base jumping. At least eight, okay. I think, I want to say it, from Yosemite have died from base jumping. We're going to set the over under at six. Okay. So you so want the over or you want I'll the under? The, I'll take the over. Okay. You got the over at six. Okay. Anyway, none of, none of these guys expected to ever have real jobs. You know, they described themselves as we were going to be hobos, basically. And we were going to climb forever. And that was the extent of it. Well, the epicenter of the emerging climbing scene is notoriously known uh, as Camp 4. Uh, it's a nice little patch in the valley floor, and it became, quote, the Sherwood Forest for this band of merry mountaineers. Well, next we meet Glenn Denny, and he describes living in Camp 4 and says, instead of making money, the idea was to reduce the overhead. It wasn't the way normal people lived. You got to remember, this is the 50s, man. You know, this yeah. is this is counterculture before the 60s and the summer of love and, you know, all that stuff. This is the lost generation, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, so Yvonne says, one summer I went to a damaged can store and bought a bunch of damaged cans of cat food, and that's what we ate. I mm -hmm. mean, it I mean, was a total dirtbag existence. Like... So how old are these people now? When was this documentary? What year? Do you remember? Remember, this is the first part, 1955 to No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, when was it created? Oh, uh, it was like 2012. I want to say. Okay. Like I wonder how maybe how, 2016. How old are these people like? Yeah, it's it's fairly that, recent that they're yeah. Because but can you imagine? They must eating, be in their 80s. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Could, could you imagine eating fucking cat food? That came from a dented candle. I was thinking about this the other day. That like I thought I, about it. I think about eating cat food all well, the time. Obviously, because you live with three fucking cats <laughs> yeah. that blow you and shit. Yeah. But the like, like I wonder. I was thinking about this the other day. Like I bet cat food is from, pretty pretty good. It was pro I'm saying cat food back in the day is probably much better than cat food. Did I don't know why I was no, thinking about dude. This. I spend so much money on high dollar cat food, yeah. and I'm thinking it's probably got to taste pretty good. 
you know. I would have never tried. I mean, I've got like tuna bliss. Uh, you got you savory salmon. So bad. Sometimes, and I'm like, just put a little bit of rice, and it'll be but great. Sometimes these cats, like, I do the math, and I'm like, I just spent ten dollars on dinner for my cats, yeah. and I didn't even spend that much money for me. Yeah. Why not try it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just give it a try. So yeah. back to the dirtbag existence. They're eating can- cans of cat food. They're partying. They're they're taking cases of beer up there. You know, they dub a place called the Lazy Ass Ranch. Um, this is Camp Four. And it took I mean, on you guys you're talking about dirt poor, like living off of three hundred dollars a year kind of shit. Not even that much, dude. Yeah. Not back then. Three hundred dollars today, which is probably like eight bucks back then. So it becomes an anti establishment counterculture, you know, hub. Uh, the whole revolution of attitudes going on in our society at that time. Climbing was just a manifestation of that. So Steve says we were barbarians, vulgar. We drank a lot, chased women, tried to chase women. Not very successfully, I must say, uh, which is understandable, dude. If you're a drunk with cat breath, how much puss, <laughs> how much, how much puss are you really going <laughs> to pull from the one chick that's hanging out yeah. there? You know what I, was, I mean? I was thinking about this earlier <laughs> while you were talking. Imagine like being a fucking high-end prostitute and like just, stumbling into Yosemite. No, just being like, hey, uh, like, you know, get an ATV and like have, an, have a dude take you up to the top in an ATV and just wait for a lowly. Is this your dream porn lonely, scenario? No, only like getting uh, fucked uh, like, on the Don Wall. It's okay. I take I take Bitcoin. It's okay. Um, Skarsgård Skarsgård continues and says, "But Just the fuck me in the sky." But the beatnik Bacchanal in Camp Four was at odds with a very different set of values at Yosemite Park. Yosemite was a park for tourists designed for people from the suburbs to enjoy nature without sacrificing comfort. Sounds like my kind of camping, by the way. Um, So glamping. Yeah, totally. Uh, Steve says the tourists did not like us because of our raunchy language and loud parties. Everybody was always inebriated. Some poor camper would come over and say, can you guys tone this down? You know, uh, you're offending my family. And then the Rangers would come and break it all up. We hated authority. I still hate authority. This guy's fucking 80. Um, Pratt says climbing in those days was not a respectable activity to be doing. Really? It was an outlaw activity. What? They didn't like these strange, scruffy, abnormal human beings coming in and using their facilities and disrupting the decent people. Abnormal human beings. They're just but rock climbers. I guess they're just it's vagrants. The time. They're like vagrants. But yeah. it's the time. They look like wow, shit. It's only, it's only a five-hour drive to Yosem. Should we just fucking ditch the podcast and go? <laughs> <laughs> fucking two sleeping bags, zip them together? Stop, go, to, go to Vegas on the way there. <laughs> Council cards. Two, fulfill two, yeah, fulfill two prophecies. Well, there was a hotel there called the Awani Hotel. And a woman named Liz Robbins worked there. Guess who she ends up Is this up the with? one that's on the border of uh, one state and another? Some bullshit? No, I'm just joking. That's Sheesh. El Capitan, isn't it? That was... Uh, El Royale. El Royale. That was yeah. a pretty decent movie. Remember, I talked about this like three weeks ago, and you didn't even know what I was talking about. Oh, I didn't... You were baked. <clears throat> we yeah. had this whole conversation. I was trying to get the name of it, and you were like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, it's with Jeff Bridges, half the hotels in Nevada. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I would have remembered nope, that. Nope. Really? I had the entire conversation. I Last, on this podcast was, with you yeah. and you didn't even know what i was talking wow, about interesting so anyway management was Sounds very like con- me management of the hotel was very conservative so climbers 
They weren't popular because they'd go in and eat off of uh, people's plates. Yeah. We called it garbage mouthing back in the day. Yeah. We were waiting tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, garbage like something. <laughs> we called it GMing. You going to GM anything tonight? <laughs> so, <laughs> you and your fucking, you, you, you acronym everything. Oh, whatever. everything. But we would, uh, you know, if somebody only had two bites of a, st- a piece of a steak, yeah. you're grabbing that fucking yeah. steak. On the way in the hallway, on yeah. the way back to throwing exactly. it out. Exactly. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, we used to like back in the day, like even here in Long Beach, we used to just walk up and down the boardwalk when we were in our like early 20s and just take food off of people's appetizer platters, like a chicken nugget, like all kinds of shit. I'm laughing because I'm recalling there was a dishwasher at a restaurant I worked at and he was notorious for jamming. Oh, I thought it was an actual dishwasher going. No, he was. No, no. I mean like a machine. No, no. He was a dishwasher and he was. Uh, no, he was Mexican, not a machine. He was black. He, uh, I, I don't know why it matters, but I remember Doesn't. him very well. He was an older man. And when you come to bring in your plates, you would p- empty them off yeah. in the trash. Yep. And then you would put them, pass, pass them down. Yeah. So every time we'd go to do that, he'd go, whoa, 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 <laughs> What you got out of there? What you got? And then you would just see this arm come out. Because wow. you couldn't see his face. Yeah. And then just drag it back. Yeah. So my buddy nicknamed him Skeleton Hand Bank. <laughs> do you remember those things? You put a no. nickel on it. Oh, yeah. And, hit a switch, it, and it comes out and, and grabs it. And then it would it. grab it. Yes. <laughs> Holy so shit. So my buddy nicknamed the, the, the dishwasher skeleton in bank or the claw <laughs> because you were the never claw. able to put your food into the bin without him just skeleton in banking your food. That's hilarious. So anyway, um, at the hotel, you've got ex, you know conservative management juxtaposed against these crazy fucking yeah. climbers. And um, Liz was not supposed to associate with any of these climbers. Um, she was told you'll lose your job, and of course that made it even like after hours even. Yeah, wow. But that of course made it Lawsuit. even more exciting to do because women are yeah. always after what, Dave? The dick. The bad boy. The bad dick. So she describes her first appearance at Camp Four, and she said it was this massive party in the woods. A climber was sitting directly opposite to me. He stared at me and said, "You are a beautiful woman." My first thought was, this is certainly an intense person. (laughs) Well, the man across from the campfire was Royal Robbins, a climbing legend in the making. And Royal says, even to this day, I consider myself a climber first and foremost. That's his name, Royal Robbins? Yeah, that was the clothing company. I can't believe, Royal Robbins is probably a little too old. I I had a pair of Royal Robbins shorts. You know, it's basically just... Royal Robbins. It looks like the Johnny Walker logo, where just a guy with a walking stick. So um, Royal says, whenever I get on the rock, I feel it's something that makes me whole. And Liz describes Royal and says it was all about climbing. It was his life. I've never seen this before ever. He didn't think beyond it. Oh, yeah, I have seen this. Yeah, Royal Robbins. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, Royal was extremely competitive with everybody, extremely driven. And Royal says, to earn the respect of your peers, you had to raise the ante. And I remember wanting to do something better than what's been done. Well, Robbins at this time becomes the emerging leader of Camp 4 at one of the most pivotal pivotal moments in rock climbing history. So (laughs) next we're going to meet a writer by the name of Dan Duane. He wrote a book called El Capitan, Mm -hmm. and he reminds us that the gear involved, the techniques were in place. The rock climbers had matured to the point where they are up to tackling the great challenges of the sport. 
but the great challenges remain undone. Robin set his sights on a far bigger and steeper than anything that had been attempted. The northwest face of Half Dome. That's what that's what Alex Honnold did. The north face he of Half Dome. He did both. Well, I'm just saying that's He did the, the dome and cap in the same day, bro. No, I'm just saying he free soloed yeah. the north face of Half Dome. Correct. That was the, his in first. that 60 minutes thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll the get first to, person to do it. He's the only person. Well, I'm just saying he's the first and only, yeah. The, I don't think anybody else is going to do this shit. This was, goes why, to me, this is the greatest sports achievement of all time. Wasn't there another dude that... No. That free no. soloed something and died? No. Yes. Yeah. But not this. No, no. no. We're going to get to the deaths. Yeah, yeah. No one has the the fortitude to do, to do what Alex Honnold's done. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, so I mean, he's been having fucking rock climbers since he was 13. Correct. But it's beyond that. This isn't like Aaron no, Rodgers right. going it's, fucking it's throwing six touchdowns it's in a game and being perfect on his pass completions. Yeah, 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 this yeah. is life or death. Yeah. It's nerves of steel. And you're risking that every yeah, time. Yeah, you have no love. Like you have, like <laughs> you're in your dead mind, inside, bro. In your mind, you have no bro, wife, kids, you're too girlfriend, much of a pussy mom. to be a serial killer. Yeah. So you're like, yes. I'm gonna go test Fuck. my life every day. I'm gonna possibly write that down for a comedy. I can't bit. believe I just called That's Alex Honnold right the pussy. Well, I write him, buddy. You you go tell him. <laughs> so anyway, gonna steal. Um, Half a lot dome. of cocks in here. You Let's know? get to half dome. Okay. Well, there is going to be a cock in here, just so you know. A rooster. No. A, a cock. Just be patient. An actual. Will you be penis. patient? Penals. You're going to hear the penis. word cock a lot in this. Sick. I'm down. In this. I'm down. Well, half dome is arguably the most photographed feature in the world. It's massive, intimidating, of course, and more than just another rock climb. <clears throat> Again, 2,000 feet tall, and it would require an expedition into the vertical. So next we meet a very famous climber in his own right. Do you know who Conrad Aker is? I don't think so. I got to see the picture. Well, the iconic picture. Don't worry about it. We're going to cover one of Conrad's um, climbs in a dock called Meru, which mm -hmm. I've seen multiple times. But he says going up on a wall, something that's 2,000 feet, you're up there for multiple days. Yep. No one knew if they had the skills and the equipment and the technique to survive that long on a wall. And Royal describes it as big, scary. The face of Half Dome just stood there and said, try me if you dare. Well, early one spring morning, Robbins gathered up a small arsenal of gear and with a team of three set off to make history on Half Dome. The team would follow a trail of cracks upwards, moving slowly as they drove in pitons and hauled their gear and water. Nights were spent tethered to the side of the wall and days climbing higher and higher until retreats to the ground became impossible and the only way off Half Dome was over the summit. Well, Dan Duane says, this is one of the great acts of committing to the unknown, just sort of lighting out into mystery. Now, again, this sounds like hyperbole to a lot of people. For me, I buy into it. I can go there because it is transcendent to do what these guys do, especially when you're the first to do it. Well, Royal says, we felt like we entered a different world then. This was a vertical world. It took them five days, huh. which also set a new standard of difficulty and cemented Robin's status as America's first climbing icon. So Steve says, when you picture Royal, the crazy name Royal Robbins, the king already, I mean, my God. Well, 
Dan says, picture a photo beatnik intellectual, hard at work reading the classics, a very serious, earnest man, absolutely determined to prove himself as a great Yosemite climber. Climber. And Royal says, you want to be the first, you want to be the best. It's natural. But there was one man vying for Royal's title as king of the big walls. Mm. That man's name, Warren Hardy. Okay. Described as an impish road surveyor with his own appetite for glory. His mother had named him after a president. By the way, who fucking names their kid after the worst president of all time? Fucking patriots. I mean, Warren Harding, bro? I don't, I don't know. He's up there with James Buchanan, George W. Bush, Trump, obviously, that fucker that followed Lincoln, Andrew Johnson. He, One of the Harrisons was a shitty president. I, I know that. You don't William, know your presidential William, Har- William, Harry, Har- William Henry Harrison? Remember. It was either Benjamin. He was or, fucking president for like three months no, and they got pneumonia and of, died. You're thinking of Garfield. Garfield was a great, great president. So then uh, Garf- uh, okay, Garfield well, got pneumonia and died and then William yeah, yeah. Henry By Henderson the way, became We will cover right after the him. Garfield documentary. I've seen it four times. It makes me tear. This man. I don't know my history very well. American uh, history very well. well here's I'm a the foreigner. Thing. I have this thing that I like to do. There's, uh, I just Google presidential ranking polls. Oh. And, you know, there's always, they're always updating them. And Harry, uh, excuse me, uh, the four I just described. It's some white ass shit. But it's what it's I like to do. Fucking white as shit ever. Johnson is all, Franklin Pierce, Johnson, Buchanan, Tyler. It's William, it's William Harrison. W's always up there. He used to be like in like rank like 43rd, you know, 44th. Now Trump's taken that away. There's not one decent ranking of him on all the Wait, so you're saying W's up there and like liked presidents? He's dropped significantly as far as how bad he used to be since Uh, Trump's been in. uh, Trump's ranked at the bottom of all these. That's all bullshit. No, it's not. These are, these are, these are very. Trump's the greatest president we've ever had. These are very, very good scholars. Who do you think's number one, by the way? It's got to be George. George Washington? Goddamn right. He is typically ranked second or third. the stories are true. Right. I, I, he's usually second or third. Yeah. Usually one is Rose, uh, Actually, Lincoln. I'll, I'll take that back. I'll take Johnny Adams. Adams. Who? Johnny Adams. For, it's, you'd be shocked. He's in the lower, or he's in the second quadrant. Like again, 12 through 16. Again, yeah. if all these things are true. Right. Here's what you got. Thomas Jefferson was never president. Or no, he was. He was, he was fourth he, or sixth. Third. Third. He's usually ranked That's in like right, the third. five, to, third, four to eight range. It's and always. John Adams was fourth again. He was he second. Second and then fourth. No, that's John Quincy. Oh, uh, his son? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, here's how the rankings work it's always Lincoln one or two, or okay. FDR one or two, or George Fuck one or FDR. two. Fuck FDR. Okay. All right. Relax. Fuck I'm FDR. I'm just reporting the news. Socialist piece of shit. That's your girlfriend fucking voting for him. I have a girlfriend? That stupid socialist bitch. Who? Jen Psaki? No. I took a socialist out on a date? The one that's the chick that says she was communist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Trust me. It didn't work out. So those (laughs) those are your contenders. Then you got Teddy Roosevelt. He's usually ranked around like fifth or sixth. Ike, Wilson. Ike's got to be up there. He's not. Yeah, because he's a conserve. Yeah. He's 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 the one who told us about the the fucking military... Industrial complex. complex. I know. And he doesn't he, get enough credit for that. God damn right he don't. So, but then... And then JFK got his stupid head blown off like an idiot. But see, his rankings are incomplete because he didn't get to have, have enough time in All office. Right, okay, anyway, anyway. 
bro, I can't believe you don't know about Miller Fillmore. I didn't even bring him no, up. For I'm, I'm very, that's one thing that I need to go back and learn well, are my I presidents. I highly recommend there is a documentary on the History Channel I called just don't The Presidents. All, any of it. Okay. Well, then all you have to do is read. I know, but there's the, there's places to read. No, there's not. His have you ever dream, heard of Doris Kearns Goodwin? She's re- made by the by the winner. Okay, well, not Doris Kearns Goodwin. Okay. She's just a pre- she's presidential like, historian. She's go like read a, some of her books. This chick seems like a white and ran. Okay, go Ayn read Rand. some Michael Bachelos. There are books out there about You're just presidential. naming fake names. No, These are I'm, not real people. Jesus Christ! Do you ever you have you never read a book? Have You're you? Fucking thirty years older than me. I'm not thirty years older uh, than you. Ten. I'm ten years older. Right. And that's I don't play that, video games. This is a this is this is a testament to how poor the school system has become. By the way, this is turning in this might be a let's three go, part episode. Let's go, let's and that's go. okay no, if it does. No. <laughs> so anyway. So Dwayne uh describes Harding and he says, When you're picturing Harding, you're picturing a hard hat construction worker with a serious drinking problem mm-hmm. and a penchant for a lot of women, mm-hmm. radical sports cars, and a really childish sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And Royal says our personalities were completely different. They were opposites. Uh, the clash between Royal Roberts and Warren Harding is a clash of titans in climbing lore. Royal Robin, who's the other guy? Harding. Okay. William Har- or uh, Warren Harding. Okay. So both men had long coveted Half Dome, and when Robin snagged the first ascent, Harding went for the the one cliff in Yosemite that was even bigger, which is what Dave? El Cap. Yeah, that's right. So. Again, take the Empire State Building, stack it up three times, and you've got the biggest wall in the Yosemite Valley. Mm -hmm. A thousand feet taller than Half Dome. El Cap was beyond the imagination of even Royal Robbins at this point. It was impossible, Royal says. We all knew it. We we didn't even consider it. Uh, Another climber says, I mean, this thing is so huge, you'd be on it for the rest of your life. Uh, Dwayne says, El Cap was the realm of the absurd. It was futuristic, but not for Harding. For Harding, it was just the only way he could beat Royal's big achievement. Now, I'm going to jump in right now and have you guess. Remember, it took uh, five days for Royal and Half Dome? Yeah. How many days do you think it took Warren Harding to get to the top of El Capitan. So it's uh, 2,000 versus 3,000. It's 3,000 versus 2,000. And the first one took two five days. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess this took an extra five days to get that extra 1,000. Write that down. Okay, 10 days. 10 okay. days for El well, Cap. Selecting a route up the wall, uh, the, the wall's central prow, known as the El Cap nose. So El Cap... Yeah, it has like a thing on the edge of it. It's like it, yeah. the top. It looks like a nose. Yep. Harding rallied a group of wide-eyed youngsters and embarked on a climb that was both engineering project. You got to remember thousands of feet of rope, carts with wheels for ferrying supplies up and down, and gastronomic orgy. Hmm. He would just take all sorts of food and wine, and the motherfucker had a big weakness for Christian Brothers Brandy. That was his jam. Okay. Brothers Brandy. It's in every So what shot. do they do? They climb and they pull up the supply with rope? Yep. They have it hanging from them? What yep. do they do it? Yep. They hoist the they shit up. Hoist it. Yeah. Wow. His mother baked the turkey for them and they put it in a yeah. dolt cart and had Thanksgiving dinner on the ledge. Sick. Well, most climbs were done in a single push from bottom to top. Harding had a different idea. As his team climbed, they left ropes fixed to the wall which allowed them to shuttle up supplies, descend to the ground, take R&R, 
and then head back up and push the ropes even higher. Wow. So it's just this sort of wholesale team siege of the mountain. In fact, it's referred to to as siege climbing. Yeah. Well, months drag on. Years drag on. What do you mean? It, it, It took him years. Really? Yes. So Harding's years, months, years, months turned into years. Harding's team finally had enough. It got to the point where it was taking too long. That's because they don't know the routes. Well, you got to figure them out while you're up there. You got to figure it out on the fly. That's crazy. Um, That's, 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 that's that. Okay. I didn't take any of that into consideration because for half dome five days, there must, but there must have been some pre-route stuff and, Probably you, an easier climb too. Easier climb. You can you can ascend from the top down to figure out some things if you Correct. need to. You can do that with El Cap, but it's well, must keep be in mind when they go do the the first expedition. Once you get to the top, you don't climb backwards and come down. No, you go you 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 travel you hike down. Correct. Yeah. So now this is different from mountaineering. This is very important distinction. It's very well known that. In Mount- well, like you don't rappel down, in other words, either. Correct. You hike down. Correct. But you're, you're talking in the alpine world. You don't cons- It's not considered a climb unless you get back down. Okay. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're supposed to. So an alpine climbing, like ice climbing. Correct. You're supposed to climb down. Yeah, you have to get back down alive. Wow. So there's a lot of debate in the 20s if George Mallory had made the summit. Because they found his body years ago. It had been up and frozen for like 80 years. No shit. They found his body and it had a camera in it. And they developed the film. No way. And I can't remember what the results were or if they found the film or not. But the point is, they were saying, if we find pictures of the summit, that means we know he was climbing back down after he summited. But Hillary, who then climbed it, I want to say in the 50s, maybe 51, and summited, he always took to the debate that it doesn't matter if he made the summit or not, because you have to get down as well to say you made the climb. Interesting. This is a little bit different with climbing yeah. sheer rock yeah. because you're going straight up vertical a lot of the time, but you're allowed to climb down the other side of the mountain yeah. to get back down. Yeah, because how, cause like, you know, when like <clears throat> you're not often, when you're doing these treks, like you might get at a really steep angle, but you're not, you know, you're not climbing, like you're using picks and... yeah. So that's but the point is, when you're climbing like a rock with an overhang, yeah. they don't expect you to go back down no, that that's overhang. Impossible. Yeah, you of can't course. Even do that. <laughs> so impossible. Anyway, people are saying, you, dude, like just doing that move. I've tried at a rock climbing, the Iron Cross. No, the fucking Tom Cruise from Mission no, Impossible Two. Something like that. Not yeah. like not that specifically, but when you're going from when you're going from like a flat face to a now angled above you yeah. at a negative angle. Hangs. Yeah, so you're going you're climbing now at a negative angle, you're hanging yeah. upside down. Dude, those jumps are impossible when yeah. you've got fat ass like me. We're going to talk about one of the most biggest jumps in all of climbing history when we covered the Dawn Wall. And he jumped it. You have to jump it. There's a pitch. I want to say it's this is the Dawn Wall. It's pitch 12 to 13 or 13 to 14 where you literally get to one spot and then you have to jump onto the other spot. With this, like this much rock yeah. that you have, like an inch, like in, you have to catch like your fingers. In, like in Ninja Warrior, Spider Monkey shit, dude. Cliff, oh, cliffhanger! 
Buddy, Ultimate we're going to get the cliffhanger in this. Ultimate cliffhanger. Buddy, how do you think cliffhanger, the movie, is going to tie into this? Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited. Dude. I'm excited. Let's keep going. Let's go. Anyway, the team's like, get. let's stop doing this. Why are we fucking doing this? One of the climbers says, I hated the entire time up there. I couldn't handle the exposure. Well, his team's getting ready to quit. Well, Harding soldiers on. And finally, after nearly two years of, of going up and down the wall, Harding inched over the summit of El Capitan. And everybody's like, holy shit, he did it. El Cap is climbable. Unquestionably, the single biggest rock climb in American history at the time. So, now, okay. But where is he sleeping most of the time? Like, is he climbing he's every not, single day? No. He's mapping and figuring. He's and, coming down. He's taking. He's yeah, yeah. He's taking going, a week. He's got to yeah, probably yeah, go to yeah. work. Yeah, and yeah, then he's like, yeah. I'm back. Yeah, okay, I read somewhere. Okay, okay, okay. I read somewhere that the ropes were on the walls so long they had to replace them because they were getting weather worn. Yeah. Wow. So again, he gets to the top. And uh, that's the moment when the competitive side of Royal Robbins wakes up and the tension between them crystallizes. Yeah. So after Half Dome... I'm going to finish it in 415 days. Well, Royal says after Half Dome, Harding's ascent of the nose was a darn good move. In fact, a move on the Yosemite chessboard. And whoever makes the best moves is going to win. Well, Royal's response is he goes to get a team with four guys and do the nose, quote, right, unquote, meaning no fixed ropes, no going up and down. A route that took 18 months to establish in the first ascent took them one week to yeah. repeat. Okay, well, so that's okay. ob obviously. Well, this is me saying, this is just a drunk. That's <laughs> this is a guy that, that was just a shitty climber. No, no, okay. He wants yeah. to party. <laughs> I believe that as well. There's probably an element of that, but... I mean, the hardest part is yeah. the figuring out the route, man. Correct. But I it, mean, come on. But I mean, eighteen months is par for the course for an alcoholic. Yeah, that's it's sending uh, seems, up. A little, uh, seems a little long. <laughs> so, seems a little long. Yeah. He's, he's extracurricularing yeah, activity yeah. there. Well, throughout the '60s, as America explored the reaches beyond our Earth, and the civil rights movement clamored for justice, Royal Robbins was at the vanguard of a big wall climbing boom in Yosemite. After the nose had been done, Royal followed up with his first new route of El Cap, the Salathe Wall. The wall is unspeakably massive and mysterious, and anybody who repeats that climb to this day feels a kind of awe for Royal Robbins. Now, by the late 60s, he'd done every single route on El Cap. He'd put nice. up three routes on the face of Half Dome. If you're on a climb with him, you could absolutely be sure you're going to get up. Uh, another climber says, I don't think he ever retreated from anything. One wall after another, he was the kingpin of the golden age of climbing. They show these guys sleeping on the hammocks on yeah, these walls. that's fucking nuts. Fucking blows my mind. And keep in mind, I've seen the newer climbing docks where they have these bivouac tents that yeah, are like I legit, know. I know. you know, hole, a design hole to drop your shit out of. These guys lean over. You know, I know <laughs> just shitting bags. It's and crazy, dude. So. I can never fucking do that, dude. There's no way I could do it. Not the fear would get to me, even though I have these recurring dreams where I'm falling because that's my fear. I've had that a couple times, but my biggest fear is walking around 
with a sweaty asshole. All right. <laughs> I need a yeah, shower. we know how loose your asshole is, no, it's too. It's not about looseness. It's about, I got to shower twice a day. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not a glamper at all. Yeah. I'm not a camper. Yeah. You know, it's just not my thing. I'm telling you, though, Joshua, you don't have the. I go out to you, Joshua. You don't have the. And you don't have the strength for it anymore. Right, I you don't. I don't. <laughs> but like these fucking, it's fun, bro. I like, love I, hiking in Joshua. Tree. No, I'm saying just the the 40, 50, 60 feet rock yeah. climbing thing that we do. Yeah. that we always do. It's like what uh, you just have some ropes. Yeah, some blade equipment. Some harnesses, yeah. some carabiners. I'm fine with that stuff. Fucking... But here's the thing. I need a crash pad at the bottom, yeah, and yeah. I got to know it's just a day trip, and we're not going to sleep out yeah, here. Yeah, you're a pussy. Yeah, it's just not my thing. So anyway, with a series of impressive ascents to his name, Royal began to articulate a bold philosophy for climbing. For Robbins, climbing was an elevated, almost spiritual endeavor, and therefore should be conducted in the purest manner possible. Getting to the top is nothing, he says. The way you do it is everything. Uh, Yvonne says he was fanatic about style. How you get up there is what's important. While drawing on Salathay's example of boldness and self-reliance, Robbins and his crew laid out a set of rules for how they felt Yosemite's walls should be climbed. Robbins criticized Warren Harding's tactics on the nose, like using fixed ropes to travel up and down the wall. Royal says, you get on a climb, you stay on it, you get to the top. That's the adventure. You don't make it certain by using these umbilical cords leading us to the ground. He reserved particular scorn for Harding's uh, reliance on expansion bolts, permanent anchors, which could be placed anywhere as a means of ascending blank stretches of rock. Royal says, if you put a bolt in the rock anywhere you want, you're going to get to the top. I hate to see anything take away from that part of climbing, which you have to overcome with what's inside of you. Well, another climber says, Royal, he's the guy who dreamed up and wrote down the rules of the game the rest of us play. Another one says, nobody would ever think of going up on a climb and not try to do it the Robin style, except for Warren Harding, of course. Mm. Well, Harding is... The drunk. <laughs> Harding himself was ticking off a list of hard climbs. I got my own side. <laughs> you see him with a parrot on his shoulder, you know what I mean? I got my own So he keeps making these climbs and has zero regard for Robbins' rule book. He's drilling bolts all over the place. Ah, uh, I see where this is becoming an issue. And he also had a refined sense of the absurd. He would describe the climbs he was going and doing as a great farce, really ridiculous. Warren says, every climb I do is a farce, so why not have fun? Well, Beryl Noth is Harding's girlfriend, and she says he founded the Lower Sierra Eating, Drinking, and Farcing Society devoted to gluttony and sloth. Hmm. It was a reaction against the whole high-minded ideals of climbing. Hmm. And Roger Derryberry... Great name. <laughs> Roger Derryberry. He often described Royal as way too serious, and he always considered Robbins and his people to be the Valley Christians. 
Mm. The Valley Christians expected everyone to climb exactly as they climb. Sort of like the Cobra Kai guys. Oh, really? I mean, everybody like says, valley. by the way, everybody says I look like a Cobra Kai guy. I've had this happen mm. like six times in the last two years. They were like, you look exactly like the guy from Cobra Kai. I don't know who they'd be talking about. I don't know. I've never seen it. I haven't seen any homos on there yet. Well, speaking of seeing people, if you point Pip Royal next to Harding, Royal's a square. You know, yeah, short hair, buzz cut, and then hard. What about like the stature of these men? Uh, like, are they five? Are they like five eleven? I would say so on Royal, but I th- not Harding. He's he's a little smaller. Okay, these so, rock climbing guys are t- usually a little bit smaller guys. It's funny, interesting there because the climber you're going to meet later on in episode two, he was six five, dude. That's that's insane. I mean, if you're skinny as fuck, I I can see it working, dude. There's not one fat person in any. No, of no, those. I know that, but I'm just saying, yeah. like six five, like. Lanky, lanky could work. Oh yeah, yeah. Lanky you need leg works. power, definitely. You need upper body strength, bro. You need, you need both. You need, to, yeah, you do. But you need to hang on by your fingertips. Yeah, but Have also you, you need those? to. But, but when you're rock climbing, you're you're driving with your legs all the time. Right, but you also get to those points where you're hanging from well, yeah, your body. Well, those are the crazy spots. Yeah, but have you ever seen how they practice this shit? Like they picture like a not a two by four. What's half of a two by four? <laughs> one by a, a two. One by two. <laughs> so they drill these things into like uh, the walls, and then they have these little finger grips in them, and they just hang from them. They're just, they're, yeah. I think they're yeah, called yeah. hanging boards. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's, this is a thing in American Ninja Warrior. They just get called on the, the ultimate boards. cliffhanger. Yeah. You got to see it's All it is is it's. It's a line. It's a straight line that you're. You've got that's four inches. Yeah, barely, not even four. It's like it's tiny. Yeah, you gotta you gotta climb that, and then there's the raised one. So you have to climb, climb, climb. Then you have to go up one, start climbing that all on your fingertips, and then there's a jump from up. You have to like jump, like what you were saying. You gotta yeah. swing jump from one, holding on, yeah. and then grab this on, on American one. Ninja Warrior. <clears throat> On and everybody always loses on the hanging, hanging a cliffhanger. I I did some work for American Ninja Warrior. Ultimate cliffhanger. And um, this guy was so proud of his daughter, and you know I'm like, so what's she gonna pull on that episode after winning? And he's like, they don't get any money, dude. No, it's all free. It's all yeah. You have to you join for free. Anybody can join. But all that talent that are uh, is on this show, none of them make any money. I think the American version one they make money. Mm-hmm. That's the one win. he was on. <laughs> I think if you win the whole thing, you win like 100K or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he told me his daughter made nothing. So, Well, because that's because the girls, they don't make shit. Oh, it's a, it's like soccer? Probably. I mean, you got to win it. <clears throat> you got to win the men's one, probably. Well, uh, Royal says, did this annoy me? You know, this... Oh, by the way, Harding is a dirtbag. He's got long hair. Yeah. More, you know, so just to describe... They're polar opposites. Yeah. So, you know, Royal's annoyed, and he says it was a derisive comment. Um, and Dan Dwayne, the author of Valcap, says to be royal and to have this vulgar nutcase trying to undermine this beautiful world you're trying to create, it must have been deeply annoying. And for Harding to have this buzzed head square with his little crew of acolytes, this rule and that rule, that must have driven both of them crazy. Well, Dean Caldwell, he says they were always at each other's throats. Well, after more than a decade of discord and one-upmanship, the final confrontation between Robbins and his arch rival Warren Harding came in 1970. Hmm. They met in the valley floor. 
and had a duel. What kind of duel? Guns. No. I'm just kidding. Obviously. Roberts had been running the show. Guns. Doing one sensational important climb after another, and Harding was itching to do another big L cap route. Well, Harding's eyes were drawn to the only stretch of El Cap that Robbins had never climbed. The last major big blank area on El Cap. The wall of the early morning light or the dawn wall. Wow. Now, again, the dawn wall, I think, is my favorite climbing dock. Okay. And that's the one I was telling you where like... It's about this race? No, it's about the climbing the, the Don Wall. Just but it's general. not about these two. It's about Tommy Caldwell and his partner who, okay. who, who climbed the Don Wall. Is he gay? No. Oh. Why? Caldwell's partner. a gay name? No, partner. well, no, you got climbing partners. I don't know. What? No, I know he's not gay because he was married and his wife divorced him. Was she a climber? Maybe she found out she's gay. She climbed somebody else. <laughs> Maybe she found out he's gay, yeah. All right, so let's get to the Don Wall. Uh, I know you're going up there and fucking him in that tent, aren't you? Uh... Do it for research. According to Sarsgaard, he and said... Why is this guy in the documentary a lot? Who, Sarsgaard? Yeah. He's narrating the thing. Oh, okay, okay. So for Yosemite's philosopher-in-chief, the Don Wall was off limits. He's speaking of Royal. And Royal says it looked too blank, like it would require too many bolts. Well, Roper says, Harding said, fuck it. I'm going to do it my way as usual. No one's telling me what to do. So he takes a big bag of bolts... And Harding commenced his attack on the Dom Wall. Now, for some perspective, it's basically just vertical. Yeah. It's just sheer vert, 3,000 feet. Okay. Um, with everybody waiting down below, Harding is up there just drilling bolt after bolt, just drawing a lineup L cap with bolts. This is absolutely anathema to the aesthetic sensibility of Royal Robbins. Now, they show these bolts. Yeah. They're like, here's a bolt. Three feet later, here's a bolt. Yeah. Like, it looks like a fucking zipper, you yeah. know, that this guy did. And Royal says, I was disappointed, and yeah. I thought, well, that's what you'd expect from Warren. But this time, Harding did take one page from Robin's rule book, using no fixed ropes to the ground and climbing the wall in a single push with his partner, Dean Caldwell. Well, we get a list of Royal's climbing ethics. Here's what Royal wrote down. No fixed ropes, minimal bolts, Leave no trace, persevere adventure, per, preserve adventure, okay. and style matters. This guy's fucking gay. Yeah, I mean, oh, this is passion. Oh, let's make a rule book about climbing. <laughs> so Dean says Warren was pretty excited about the idea of just going as light as we could and doing the whole climb in one stretch. Well, they expected the trip to last about 12 days. But by the end of the second week, they were only halfway up the wall. Their supplies were dwindling when storm clouds began to gather. Well, Dean says, we figured we'll just hang out and let the storm pass. And then we... So are those type of bolts, are they removable or no? Well, technically, they're removable. Yeah. But you have to take a chisel and a hammer to yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. So... How do you bolt them? What do they use to bolt them in? See, here's the thing. I thought they had bolt guns. That's a Hollywood thing. No way. Yeah, yeah. It's in a Hollywood. In the Holly 60s, there's no, no. no. But I don't even think that should exist so, now. Uh, you grab you grab your piton. There's probably something that's garbage. You grab your piton, and you take your hammer, yeah. and you just smash it in. Uh, now, how big are, how thick and big are they? They're like, I don't know, maybe six inches long. Yeah, and how thick you think? Probably diameter. like the size of a highlighter. No shit. Yeah, that like thick. a pen. 
Yeah, they're thick. And <clears throat> they've got a pointed edge. Yeah. Wow. You just jam them in. Wow. So anyway, these guys get drunk on brandy while the storm's coming. So everybody's down at the base and they're thinking that they're trapped because they haven't moved. Well, then the park service got nervous and they made the decision to put everybody in place for a rescue. Well, did they ask for a rescue? No. Dean says, we never thought about a retreat. We never considered it. The only thing we'd ever considered was going to the top. But the rescue plan went forward without consent of the two climbers on the wall. So they send a helicopter up to these guys and Harding essentially screams and says, to hell with you, get lost. We didn't ask for a rescue. Well, Dean says, we finished a bottle of wine and started making a battle plan. Do you realize how fucking dumb that sounds? That so sounds pretty good to me, actually. So it sounds like a are. Friday night to me. We're shit-faced on, mm-hmm. you know, a wall. Murder rock. Yeah, and we're going to fight them. At this point, has anybody died doing this yet? No, nobody's died. Really? Nobody, yep. like, significant has died? No, okay. and this was interesting to me. And of what year is this? This is, like, uh, uh, early 60s. Wow, okay. Um. Maybe so they were, maybe they were pretty well prepared then. Dude, here's how prepared they are. They show a picture. They're not just chugging the Christian brothers from a bottle. They had a wine glass. And I'm okay, like, I mean, how I the get, fuck do you carry up a wine yeah, glass? I mean, yeah, you, okay. So anyway, a man, um, a can comes rattling down and there is a message in it. And it says, a rescue is unwanted, unwarranted, and will not be accepted. So the rescue gets called off. Well, the media runs with this shit. And we hear reporters, two climbers, Warren Harding and Dean Caldwell, they've been climbing the sheer face of the mountain and waved off a helicopter carrying would-be rescuers. This is on the nightly news. You know, it's like fucking David Brinkley or Chet Huntley or one of those old-timers. I can't tell them apart. And then Yvonne says, um, they brought Warren's mother down and she's underneath the wall, and she's like, oh, my God, this is the longest Warney's ever been away from home. He was a mama's boy. Aw. So he's on the wall for 28 days, and then he finally gets to the summit. Mm. A climber says a lot of us thought he wasn't going to make it, but he was just determined. The Iron Man of Yosemite. Even Royal could not have done that. Well, it's a massive, massive media explosion. Warren's mom is like, oh, they did it. They're there. They're standing up. Yay. You know, it's a big fucking deal. Well, awaiting their arrival atop El Capitan, it's like everybody's there. Reporters have been waiting for them to get to the top. Hmm. Somebody says you would have thought the Beatles had just shown up. So they showed up to the top and everybody had hiked up to the summit. Correct. Sick. Correct. But it's a big deal. You know, everybody's there. And, you know... The reporters are like, why in God's green earth do you guys climb mountains? And Harding says, because we're insane. There's no other reason. Yeah. Well, he becomes the most famous climber in America. Have they history. made any money off of any of this yet? No. Okay. This is Howard Cosell. Dink Caldwell and Warren Harding are with me in the studio now. What was the actual quote you wound up barking down to the would-be rescuers? And Harding says, I can't tell you that on television at this particular time. Uh-huh. So Harding starts touring. Because they're the, dirty words. <laughs> Harding starts touring the country, and he's basking in the limelight. He's probably getting, he's probably getting top shelf. He's probably drinking like Remy Martin at this point instead uh, of that Christian Brothers crap. 
VSOP. Well, back in very special old pale, back at Camp Four, Robbins is fuming, and he can't deal with this. It's unbearable. Wow. And Royal seemed like the type of guy that would just bother him. Well, Royal says I believe that Harding was not doing it the right way. Oh, because too many bolts. Correct. He said there were too many bolts. I think he placed something like three hundred bolts. Okay. So Royal, well, how many would Royal have placed? Two hundred. <laughs> minimal bolts i don't know what the fuck it's so vague and ambiguous minimal bolts minimal for you minimal for me stupid preserve adventure what does that even mean preserve adventure means i need more bolts (laughs) yeah so i cannot die so like yeah i'm preserving this shit (laughs) so technically he did preserve adventure it's not preserve the adventure uh terrain well Royal says, either it was up to me to do something or keep my trap shut, so I decided to act. So Royal starts up the Donwall with a chisel, determined to remove a bolt from, remove all the bolts from the Yosemite landscape. Well, according to Don Loria, he stops at the first bolt and chops it off. He goes to the next one, chops it off. And I said, Royal, what are you doing? And he said, I'm chopping the bolts. That's the name of the game. Well, Roper says <laughs> it's like a nice, it's like a, it's like a big fuck you to him. Absolutely. And Roper <laughs> says Royal trying to make a tremendous statement, obviously here. And he says, Harding, you better never do that shit again, or I'll go up the day after you get down and I'll chop every fucking bolt off. Well, Royal's belief in his own sense of right or wrong boiled over into a destructive act, a bitter act. But an interesting thing happens which is that Royal gets not very far up the climb before the sort of undeniable beauty of the climb begins to overwhelm him. Okay. On the upper pitches of the I mean, come on. (laughs) That's some fucking bullshit. On the upper pitches of the Donwall. I see why you put the the bolts in now. Well, Robbins found that Warren Harding didn't just rely on bolts. It was bold, creative climbing. He said, you know, this route is a lot more difficult than I imagined. Royal says, I was just pushed to my limit to follow his leads, and I was overcome by admiration for the level of expertise. Warren Harding, he was climbing at an inspired level. And so I thought, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't feel right. And so I stopped removing them. And at that point, I just decided to go ahead and climb it and leave the rest of the bolts in. Another climber says it was pretty hard for him to come to humility, but he finally did. And I think the Dawn Wall was the turning point for him. And Royal says it's hard to admit, but I have to say that I think some of my reaction was Harding was getting all the credit. Keep in mind, the guy's going on talk show hosts, you know, talk shows. For sure. Fucking hanging out with Howard Cosell. But he said, I felt like I should have gotten some of that credit. And that was a personal thing. And it was an ego thing. Well, the clash of egos on the Don Wall took its toll on these two aging gladiators, and neither Harding nor Robbins would ever climb a major route in Yosemite again. They both dropped out of climbing. After right, that? Yeah. At what age? Uh, I'm going to guess they're in their 50s. It's a oh, young man's shit. game, bro. This is a young man's sport. They were climbing. They did, he did that <laughs> climb in his 50s? Uh, I'd have to double check, and I will for part two. Whoa. But... Uh, okay. Keep in mind, they st- maybe even no. You're probably right. He's probably in his 40s. Okay. Because they were doing this for 15 years. You figured they got there in 25, mid, early 20s. Yeah. So probably early 40s. Okay. So anyway, Ro- uh, Royal 
marries Liz and then creates that clothing company. And I mean, fuck, I'd rather sell clothes than almost die in my yeah. free time. So I can't blame him. Yeah. So meanwhile, Harding passed his days on his porch with his mom, always with a drink <laughs> in his hand. Pussy. We see a, an interview of him, and they're sitting on a porch. And uh, Harding's like, "Remember how uh, how uh, I climbed the dawn wall?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah." And I'm rich and famous. And she's like, "Rich, where's the money?" Yep, <laughs> they drank it all away. Well, Warren Harding died at the age of. Well, do the math here for me. He went from 1924 to 2022. That's like ninety. It's like 90? 98. Uh, maybe it's 2012. Maybe I wrote that down wrong. But that's a pretty yeah, good... Yeah, why would you say 2022? It would be 2012, maybe. Maybe he died in the same year the documentary was released? No. or Whatever. <sighs> I think it's 2012. Okay. So, 80s. 80s, 80s. That's a fucking 84. good run yeah, for man. a drunk. Yeah, Do you drunk know what rock I mean? climber. Yeah. yeah. You can't... No, first of all, hold on here. If you're getting... Okay. I'm going to check his age. <clears> you can't... He's not a drunk. Motherfucker He's was a drunk. Motherfucker was climbing El Capitan before anybody else. Is climbing all these like before anybody. Right. I guess you can still call him a drunk. Dude, if you watch this, there's no question that he's a drunk. But he's not like climbing drunk, is he? No, but that's we're gonna get to that because that's next the yeah. next chapter. Is drinking and climbing? Drinking and climbing. And then smoking and climbing. I can't even Google Warren Harding because it's bringing up President Warren Harding. <laughs> so fuck you, President Warren Harding. Yeah, One of the worst presidents of all fucking time. Cool. All right. So <clears throat> this is the when the golden age comes to an end. And well, maybe he was named after him because he was related to him. He wasn't. Okay. We, they would have talked about that. It's time to meet John Long. And he is part of the counterculture from the 60s and the 70s. And he says, you know, we're talking about the early 70s. We got Hendrix, we got Watergate, we got Vietnam dribbling on. There's a lot of discontent. There was really, there wasn't really anything to hold on to. Well, we also meet a climber of this era named Jim Bridwell. And he says, there was an alternative society sort of developing that scared the hell out of the government because it was changing the culture. And even the national parks felt the impact because they threw a big love in from the Bay Area that spilled over to the meadow of the Yosemite. And it's cultures in conflict. You've got the establishment, which is the park rangers, and you've got the hippies, you know. And apparently the valley became the place for the next revolution. Part two, the Stone Masters, 1973 to 1980. So in the early 70s, a new batch of climbers starts going into Yosemite. Now, a gentleman by the name of Ron Koch, I told you there was going to be some cock talk. Cool. It's pronounced Kauk. Kauk? Kauk. Ron C-A-U-C-K? K-A-U-K. Kauk. Oh, Kauk. So he's... Ron Kauk? Ron Kauk! He starts in around 73, and Camp 4 revives itself. Okay. That's where all, all the dirtbags hang out. Sick. Camp 4. And Do, John... I wonder what Camp 4 is like these days. I want to go and see. Yeah, I bet you do. Well, John Long... Go find a dirty <laughs> dirt bag and snuggle up with somebody. Says they were cocky and we just came on the scene. So there's a group of hippie, hippie athletes forming. And John Long's nickname is Largo. And he Lago. says, he says, I was about that far away from abject poverty. 
And then we also meet Dale Bard, Air, a.k.a. Airedale. He mm-hmm. says, I didn't have any money, food, or anything. Airedale. Then we meet Dean Feidelman. Is a- that like an Air Jordan thing? Yeah, before. Uh, I guess you're right. Dean Feidelman, a.k.a. Bullwinkle. He says, uh, we had a lot of style and a lot of balls. Mm-hmm. And Ron Kalk, his nickname was the Calculator. <laughs> hmm. Calculator. <laughs> Calculator. Wow. <laughs> and then These mental giants. Then we meet uh, a man named John Backer. Okay. And he was climbing 300 days a year. Wow. And also a young woman, 16 at the time, named Lynn Hill. And she describes yeah, it as. She's the one who made uh, something. <laughs> she certainly did. What was she again? She's, she was talking. Married to? No. What was she? <laughs> no. She was the female standout of the group around, among oh, this okay. macho culture. Lots of testosterone. She yeah. says, I wanted to hang with these guys, but you had to climb hard. Was she a les? <laughs> I have no idea. Did she want the calc? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, the wise knew. Google that shit. Was Lynn, I'm just joking. Go on, go on. Go on. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about this old you motherfucker's age. I want to know about this bitch muff dives up there and shit. So, All right, let's go. The wise older of the new group is Jim Bridwell, a.k.a. the bird. <laughs> well, Bridwell dis- was described as the ultimate coolest climber there ever was. And amidst the grand events of the 60s, Bridwell was a young apprentice to Robbins and Harding. So Roper describes him as a brash kid, looked like Alfred E. Newman with big fucking ears sticking out. But the scrawny kid at the picnic table who grew, would grow up to be the leader of the Yosemite climbers. He'd mm. climb with Robbins. He'd climb with everyone. And one of the climbers describes him as that passion and commitment was something that we were looking for. So Bridwell drove roots into stretches of El Capitan where Robbins and Harding never dared. Robbins describes him and says, Jim Bridwell was some kind of new force. Roper says, new roots on El Cap, bold and dangerous stuff. Well, Jim says, for me, it was mainly a thing about, you know, how far you could push it, exploring not only my environment, but myself at the same time. So you got the counterculture, and now you got a dose of the age of Aquarius, courtesy of Jim Bredwell, because he loved drugs. Nice. So what Brid- kind? Bridwell says this is back when we had good drugs, yeah. you know, psychedelics. Ah. There's a definite fun. fearlessness that comes with that liberation with Dude, the personality. Shrooming and rock climbing. Look, look, Dude, he ate acid. I'm just on- saying, taking mushrooms and going to Joshua Tree and boulder climbing on that shit. Yeah. Then laying down on a nice warm rock and having a cigarette uh-huh. with a nice breeze. Uh-huh. It's the best feeling ever, man. It's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing now, feeling. Now let me take that. A notch. Yeah. Try getting on a 2000 sheer cliff, not yeah. a boulder with a mattress you can fall down and smoke your cigarette, right. but being on acid yes. and climbing. He climbed on acid. Yes. That's yes. fucking bonkers. Well, and apparently so is throwing a perfect game on acid. Yeah, that's Doc Ellis. There's a documentary called Documentary about wow. Doc that, Ellis. About that incident. We got it down on the documentary that. Uh, write it down. So down I don't on forget. the Doc Ellis. Down on the Doc Ellis. So they describe Bridwell as the high llama. The man was brilliant. He could pick a line. He knew what it was going to entail. (laughs) 
I create them, baby. Dude, I don't have enough pickup lines of cocaine to get a date in this town. I know. Old joke of mine. Well, you also live in a gay town. No, I don't. Long Beach isn't gay. Sure it is. No, it's not. It's either gay or black, and you ain't getting either of those. <laughs> well, actually, you know, I fucked up. I should have made a lot of gay jokes, and I didn't. Anyway, people say it was a brat. I can see you going out with a nice, thick, black chick, though. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Maybe I will. Let's get back to Bridwell. Sure. It was they a, like tall guys. It was a badge of honor to, to climb <laughs> yep. with Bridwell. If he tapped you on the shoulder and said, you're climbing with me, mm-hmm. you know, it was a terrifying rite of passage because, you know, as Calc describes, if you're in your teen years to take off on a route that you didn't know, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Uh, you, dangerous. You didn't know what the fuck you were going to find when you went out on these big things. Were these guys wearing helmets? No. No, right? They're wearing fucking tie-dyed shirts. Yeah. And chalk bags and fucking smoking joints. Yeah. So we see some of these walls they're on. It's just, here's the thing. Alex Honnold stuff I've gotten used to because I've watched him climb so much. But sometimes you see some of these guys and you're like, these are stoners, man. Yeah. And they're just hanging off of cliffs and ledges. And Uh, it's just... You know, it's it's intense. That's why you have to watch it. It's because you can't describe it as we're doing, even though we're doing our best. It's a visual thing, and I recommend anybody to watch this. Uh, by the way, I'm going to blow it right now. It's a four dock. It's a four oh, wow, docker. Nice. I like it. So, anyway, you're going up there with a new line with Bridwell, and he's literally frying on acid. Uh, he did drugs on the wall. The colors, man. Yep. He fucked up, and I'd go, whatever he's tied in, if he wants to do it, okay. Well, Bridwell describes drug climbing. (laughs) That's what I'm calling it. It's a fine... Yeah, just going to go on a drug climb. Well... Find myself... As a fine line between boldness and stupidity. Find yourself dead. I may have been right on the edge of it. Well, in 75, Bridwell devised a plan to attempt a feat that only a few er years earlier would have been a fantasy. Bridwell came up with the idea, we'll climb the nose on El Cap in one day. Wow. Yosemite's most iconic route, the nose, had taken Harding two years and um, Royal Robbins a week. Now Bridwell aimed to climb the 3,000 feet in a single day. They already know all the good routes, though. Same, no- same route. It's the nose, bro. I know, but like there's, there's only no- one route on the nose. Well, there's, only- there's probably sure. a couple routes. There's on probably the a couple routes. Anyway, nose, who fucking knows? Ears, mouth, who They cares? leave the food and water behind and equipment for a multi-day climb and go fast and light in a mad dash to the summit. Nice. By evening, Bridwell and his team stood atop El Capitan. Wow. Jim says, I think the important thing was to get down before the bar closed, leaving no doubt that Yosemite's new crew intended to leave their mark. Nice. John Ryan describes it as take no prisoners and get out of the fucking way because here we are. Well, before long, Bridwell's disciples were becoming masters in their own right. Uh, We were running on adrenaline and uncontainable ambition. I would add the withdrawals if you're doing drugs, but that's just me. Another climber says we wanted to set new standards. Again, I'm thinking drug tolerance, but who am I? I mean, dude, these guys are uh, pioneers. Every time that, two movements. Every time that we went climbing, it wasn't just to raise the bar. It was to raise the bong. Take the bar. 
<laughs> the idea was to blow the whole paradigm away and replace it with an entirely new game, a new way to climb. The breakthrough for our generation was free climbing. Free climbing, this isn't free soloing. Right. Free climbing revolution, revolutionized the sport. So we're clear. You just go wherever the fuck you want to go, basically. <laughs> I don't know. What does free climbing no, mean? No, you're still using yeah. um, uh, bolts. Yeah. But you're not... Uh, there's no fixed ropes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fixed ropes. Right. Fixed ropes mean like they're there for, like, they're there. for weeks. You just, yeah, you keep them Other there. people put them there. Right. Oh, I see. So free climbing was the revolution of the climbing world. Right. What can we do with just our hands and feet? Probably peel a banana <laughs> with your hands. I don't know, dude. <laughs> well, Sarsgaard says, in the previous generation, aid climbing <laughs> was the norm, with climbers relying on their equipment to hold their body weight as they ascended a cliff. Right. Put a nail on the rock, put a nylon ladder to it, climb the ladder, and repeat that process. Ah, oh, okay? I see. So you see the visual? Yeah. So again, you don't have this help with you know your little ladder and your stirrups to get to the next point. Right. You can still put in a piton and a carabiner. Yeah. And put the rope in it, but you're not getting assistance right. anymore. Right. So yeah, you're fucking climbing. You're like free a man. climbing. Changed everything. Yeah. So now climbers hung directly by their fingertips in a strenuous vertical dance. When you're free climbing, you're using your hands and feet on the rock. You have to stuff your fingers in the cracks. You have to smear your toes, periodically placing protection. Only use your rope to catch you if you fell off. Right. And you see a lot of this. Yeah, it's this fucking point. crazy. I've seen even Alex fall a couple times with his girlfriend and like have some... On, with a rope? <clears throat> where, where, the, where the first anchor doesn't hold and it Correct. pulls and, and then the second one catches tons them. of scenes of this happening. Oh, it's brutal. And it's fucking awful because you see these people and they're just falling, you know, 40 feet and then bouncing off the rock and they're like, I'm okay. And you're just That's like, crazy. no, thanks. So Ugh. Lynn says you're holding, you're looking up at the small holds and not sure if you really have the strength, burning forearms, your fingers starting to open up. And then we, again, we see her fall and you just have to go for it. And then she's like, I'm okay. Fuck man. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's I'm a, getting sweaty palms. Just thinking makes about you want to watch it. Right. That's the other thing. Uh, if you have hyperhidrosis, there's no way you could be a rock climber. My ex-girlfriend had hyperhydrosis. In her hands? In puss. <laughs> okay. So, you know, uh, my mom has that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just... It's good for jack hands. <laughs> it's good for jack hands. But it's literally, you know, you can show your palm and it's just dripping. Dripping. Yeah. And it's it's it runs to the family because my cousins have it too. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Harry palms. Harry palms, that runs on the other side of the family. <laughs> nice. So... Free climbing demands a new level of athleticism, and these valley climbers honed it on these steep cliffs and boulders. So Bridwell's crew, dynamite athletes, pushing the physical limits of Yosemite climbing in their era. One says all we did was eat, sleep, climb. That's it, okay? And train. And again, you see these bodies? Everyone of them's cut. They yeah. work out, they're workout fiends. Um, fingers of steel, zero body fat. But even more than that, the mental aspect. It was a really bold era. Well, Kalk says pushing the level of free climbing became a real focus. Leader never falls, man, because you're going to feel it. Do they have radios? 
No. <clears throat> no uh, CBs and shit, huh? No. Walkie-talkie? I didn't see any. Wow, that feels like something you'd have. Well, at this point, some of these uh, stone masters, they start making it. Stoner masters. You know, um, like they're doing... Start making what? Money? Yeah. Doing what? Commercials. Oh. Yeah, Ron Kauk had one for uh, like a Bronco. Um, John Backer had one for Gillette. Oh, you like know? that kind of shot. Yeah. Not like rock climbing... Oh, no, no, no. commercials. No. So they're starting to... like an extra or something. It's kind of cool that they're starting to make some money. Yeah. You know? So they dubbed themselves the Stone Masters. And Lynn says being a Stone Master meant that you had to climb like it's your last day on Earth. And you had to smoke lots of weed. Yeah. They call it weed. You're right. They don't call it the pot. Yeah, no. Or marijuana cigarettes. Let's see what they call it in the 90s. (laughs) So the Stone Masters came out of a bong session. Um... And someone was like, stoned masters. Uh, we use bud a lot. Yeah. Let me get some bud. As long as it's not the word nug. That is the fucking. I use nugs. Let me get a nug. dirt ball word. No, no. That's when you when somebody already owns it and you're asking for one, you ask for a nug. It doesn't a, matter. It's a, a nug, dirt dude. ball word. When I hear the word nug, I cringe. Why? Nugget. Let me get a nug, bro. It's nugget. It's gross. <laughs> it's what dirt balls You use. just heard it the first time from a fucking loser one time. No. If you heard me say it the first time, no. you'd be it is a fucking my impression. full on loser stoner word. Nug. Let me get a nug, bro. <laughs> so Roper says these new guys coming in and claiming that they're better than us. And Jim Br- Bridwell had a boombox at his camp. Whereas the old timers thought that wasn't appropriate. Hey, you're supposed to be communing with nature like John Muir or some goddamn instead of a fucking boombox. This reminds me of that movie. Uh, I forgot what it's called. But it's with Vertical the guy, Limit? No, it's the beach movie about the. The, the uh, beach with it, Leonardo DiCaprio? No, it's with the big kahuna where it's like the punk rockers versus the. Point like, Break? No. <laughs> or older than that. It's an old. It's a movie Warriors? from the eighties. No, you're not. It's like with the. Um, it's like the the kid dresses up as a punk, and uh-huh. they have a surf competition at the end. Uh-huh. And there's the big kahuna Gleaming from the down. Cube? The big kahuna from down under. I don't and it's know. It's like kind of like that, like the old school versus the new school. Well, Yvonne says. Well, I think back they were, to the beach, maybe. Back to the. See, I don't know. Nobody's heard of this. Sorry. Movie. Keep going. Yvonne says. I think they were doing the right thing. I was pretty stoked. They were pushing the limits and also really pissing off the entrenched status quo. It was sex, drugs, rock and roll climbing, living on the naked brink of society of sanity. Camp four was a dirty, filthy mud hole. It was paradise. It is called Back to the Beach. And it's, um, yeah, I'm going to tell you, there's a famous person in it. And it's, uh, what's his name? Um, 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 Nobody I've heard of. No, is it one Star- of the Brad it's Packers? Fucking Frankie Avalon. Oh, so it's what from the sixties? No, 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 no. He plays the dad. He's a. Uh, it's made in eighty-seven. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's a good movie. This is what it reminds me of. It's like the old school versus the new school. Got it. Well, keep in mind, we're also you know it's, it's kind of cool to see this because the Beatniks they were rebelling against. What do they got against Nick? Nick. Why do they gotta beat him? I I don't get the reference. Why are they beating Nick? There's no reference. I'm oh. just saying something. Stupid. Oh, you're being a moron. Yeah. The beatniks are rebelling against post W two 
were W World War II society yeah. and non-conforming, and now they're getting the same treatment from. The I'm hippies. so non-conforming. I'm so conforming that I'm non-conforming. Or but the it's opposite. interesting that it happens to every generation because yeah. I do it now. It's called the pendulum, you know. Because I was cool, in you no. know, yeah, I was. I rebelled. And now I look down at the generation behind me and I'm just like, what are you fucking morons doing? Yeah. You know, especially know. listening to the music you're 10 years, to. you're younger, I know. So anyway, they describe it as a utopia. The music and is garbage. We were the kings of utopia. <clears throat> and John says the climbers had it in their mind that Yosemite had evolved for them. It wasn't to have this proliferation of cafeterias and tourist things. This, no, man. The main feature about Yosemite was the rocks. And who was utilizing the rocks? It was us. The place was for us. Well, of course, the National Park, they don't see things the same way. And in 1970, you've got the Vietnam protests. They're at their height. And then more hippies just coming in to Yosemite for lovings. And we see pictures of this. These hippies fucking trash the place. They're taking off signs, throwing them in the lake. And then the rangers, they shut it down and they get the situation, you know, in hand. But it was a, it was a crazy crowd, you know. Um, the mace was out. Well, ever since then, the rangers were given firearms. Wow. And a strict law enforcement mandate. So the long-haired bums this causing... This land is my <laughs> land. This land is your land. The long-haired bums causing the trouble, you know... They're like, I'm, these are the, the status quo. They're like, they got no right to be here. Police should kick them out. So climbers Actually, were, it's public land, dum-dum. Climbers weren't involved in these riots. So, you know, they kind of got cro- caught in the crossfire yeah. between the hippies. It's like BLM. Yeah. So anyway, um, the climbers were never really welcome after this, right. you know, hippie fest fucking tear the place down shit right so see, it's when the fucking government comes in and that's when they decide the movement comes. no see that's that's some fucking that's like how the feminist movement started how the gay rights movement started it all starts off good uh-huh. and then feds come in and fuck it all well, up and that's what happens because now the rangers start a war with the climbers nice and they're cracking down on them they would do sweeps it's a false flag they would do sweeps and mm-hmm. they'd find Camp 4 and kick them out for smoking pot. You get disorderly conduct, traffic violations, camping out of bounds, uh, arrests, you know. This makes it more punk rock. Exactly. So they, be, they embrace the outlaw image. And, you know, the Rangers are like, you're freeloaders. You're living here for nothing. You take advantage of our resources. And climbers are free, you know. They live out of their cars and they do whatever they want. And their mission is just to enjoy life. But most climbers are pretty fit, and they tended to have their pick of the girls, according to one. Uh, <laughs> so I don't like that. That made the Taking rangers all jealous. My women, yes, huh? the rangers are like, uh-huh. you're getting all the good pussy. It's already thinning up out here. <laughs> yeah. So wow. Ryan makes a salient. I point. bet a couple of police chiefs had their daughters fucked by a couple of these guys uh, too. Probably snuck into the cabin. Like the quarters. At night. Yeah. So Let me get you into cell for. Well, Ryan makes a salient point, and this really stood out to me in the film. He says, a hundred years from now, nobody's gonna remember that park ranger, but they're gonna remember Jim Bridwell. Hundred percent. They're gonna remember what the climbers of this generation did because that was history, and the Rangers knew that, and that used to piss them off. Yeah. 
Okay, well, we got a big, big situation. Sitch. In 77. Situation. A mysterious cargo plane flying under the radar Whoa. crashed in the high country of Yosemite, no. killing the pilots and people on board. No way. Don't tell me. Drugs. Drug plane. Well, what did you think it was going to be? I was going to say, I thought this was going to be like a, like a government hires, um, government <laughs> hires, uh, government seal team six no, to government, take it down. Government hires jailed hackers to go hack something. This is like, oh, we need some, uh, we need a band of experienced rock climbers to go help us, whatever. So then this is how it like joins the two. Like, wow. Okay. Tell it me was a plane <clears throat> on its way back from Columbia and Sick. it crashed into a lake called the Lower Merced Lake. Okay. And the, cli the, the climber had a girlfriend who was working on the switchboard that the radio came no in from. No shit. And she eavesdrops on the conversation about the plane and what was on the plane. So the climbers oh. hear about it. They hike up there. <laughs> no way. Yep. Sick. They just look out into the lake. They show a picture of this thing. Mm -hmm. It's face down yeah. in the ice. Wow. Okay. So the nose of the plane is sticking out of the ice. Everything wow. else is underneath it. Wow. And so... The nose of the plane is sticking out of the correct. ice. Correct. So it fell backwards, apparently. Or something, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, they could see some black shapes under the ice. And they managed to break through the ice. And there was a big bale with a marijuana flag on it. No Back way. then, I guess, when you sold drugs, you just advertised that you were selling drugs. You didn't try and make it discreet. Oh, uh, yeah. So they open it up. And they're like, oh, my God, it's pot. They said pot, Dave. Wow. And it was high-grade, red-haired Colombian weed. Nice. And hundreds of bales. That's like Jack Herrera shit. It's called what? It's like Jack Herrera shit. Okay. Um, well, there's a huge frenzy at this point. So guys are climbers. They're carrying chainsaws up there in the dead of the night, cutting the ice and pulling bales of dope out of the water. Wow. And it started as a trickle and turned into a stampede. So, but like, how long does it take the cops to get up there? <laughs> Who knows? The climbers know how to climb. Yeah. So they're going to get up there faster. They Way carry faster. chainsaws <laughs> to get through the wow, ice. Wow, dude. Sick. Yeah. So sick. They, lo they looted the plane of, quote, every last reefer. Of wow. marijuana. I bet you they got cocaine also. And they the gold rush it. was on. Well, suddenly people started smelling all this pot coming from the tents at Camp 4. Mm. And it had an interesting odor because the pot got drenched from gasoline from the crash. No. So you take a big hit and it would explode. And it had air, air, airplane fuel on it. And people were like, it's singeing my eyebrows. Well, Whoa. it still got you really baked. Well, yeah, it's so not good for you. Climbers are taking the dope to Berkeley in L.A. and selling it and returning with fistfuls of cash. Wow. They made a shit ton of money, a couple of these guys. Wow. So suddenly you have all these dirt bags that are like, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like trading places or like Dumb and Dumber. They're showing up to the, the restaurant. That could be a documentary all on its own. It dude. should be. But they're like, they're having steak dinners. They're leaving $100 tips couple guys built houses because they got so much money and the rangers didn't find out about the plane until it was all gone so there was right. a radio call that somebody intercepted yeah but it didn't go to the, the, the whoever was taking it down didn't give it to the rangers they gave it to the climbers so that's how they were able to get it before oh, the so rangers. they didn't even know okay no somebody <clears throat> in the switchboard tipped off the climbers and didn't tell the rangers wow so high times for the stone masters obviously how do you not tell the rangers 
because you want to make some fucking money and you know guys that are willing to climb up there with chainsaws in the middle of the night and get yeah. your goddamn drugs. It's fucking amazing. So, you know, um, they have this huge reputation as like the center stage of world rock climbing and apparently smoking gasoline soaked dope. So yeah, that's a little fucked. At this point, um, uh, the big thing that came out of this that blew me away is, have you seen the movie Cliffhanger? With Sylvester yeah, yeah, Stallone, yeah, of course, of course, Michael of course. Rooker. Iconic. Saw it in the movie theater. Okay, so I remember... When I was a kid, I mean, I was a I child. Don't, I don't remember seeing it, but I knew I'd seen it once. And you know how yeah, those, I've seen it like twice. You, you know how those movies you're embarrassed to fucking say you watched? Well, I guess. I, I watched I Cliffhanger like a month ago. Because somebody what? just yeah, exactly <laughs> that's what I didn't want you to say. <laughs> okay, so I'm coming out on the show. I, I, was, I thought I was talking about 20 years ago. No, no, huh. I I I I'm ashamed to admit it, but I watched it okay. like a month ago. It's not that bad. It's on. It's TV fucking though. awful. Yeah. So yeah, it's but bad. It, the reason I watched it is I was like cliffhanger. I don't really remember that, but I'm like. Okay, I could rationalize it because John Lithgow is a good actor. Yeah, he is a good and actor. I he the, really is. And I looked at the reviews, and I'm like, Rennie Harlan directed it. You know, he did Cutthroat Island. I never saw that, but he did a couple of big action movies. And then somebody was like, it's the diehard of uh, the rock, climbing. rock climbing. And I'm yeah. like, sold. Okay. So, Wait, I, but hold on. Yeah. What is the diehard the diehard of just police officers no so the pitch what, what, what here's the get, pitch of the movie because the guy J john yeah loses he his wife no no <laughs> okay hold on hey, who are we talking about we're talking about john the climber oh okay, from right. this documentary okay, yeah, yeah. he wrote a book about the pot being found by the climbers right sylvester stallone got it and turned it into cliffhanger so it's directly from this incident now in the movie oh. cliffhanger they don't find drugs. Wow. It's an FBI U.S. Treasury plane that's got $3 million on it. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, it lands yeah. in the mountains. Yeah. And yeah. these rock climbers have to go save the day. Okay. okay but okay. the point is that that's story, not anything near the book. <laughs> no. But John Long yeah. wrote the book and Stallone adapted it into this. That's crazy. Shit. Okay, cool. But I'm watching Cliffhanger a month ago and there are scenes that looks so fucking fake. Like, remember Superman where you're in uh, the Fortress of Solitude sure. and it all looks fake and staging? Yeah, yeah. There are so many scenes in that movie that where are clearly on like a set. looks like at Disneyland. Yeah, totally, <laughs> And it just looks like, like fucking yeah. microwave cat shit. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> so I'm watching it and I'm like a halfway into it and there's a big racial part in the movie where one of the bad guys uh, threatens or calls the other guy the N-word and I'm like, whoa, this is pretty racy for Hell 94. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anyway, it's not a great film, but I watched it just for the Lithgow and the climbing factor. Lithgow's good. So, um, cliffhanger, so good in, cliffhanger in maybe a two-star movie, but don't feel guilty if it's free and you want to watch it on Netflix. But okay. with that, we're going to end today's uh, pause uh, podcast and we'll wrap up part two with the rest of the Stone Masters and a new Group. We're about to be a stone master in a, just a few minutes. A new younger generation called the Stone Monkeys, oh. which will eventually replace the Stone Masters. And then we will give you some more uh, biographical information on a lot of these people that we've talked about in the film. So, uh, like I said, I never do this. I'm jumping the gun. This is a four-star doc. 
If you want to catch up and not wait for part two, I have no problem with our listeners watching Valley Uprising between now and part two. Hmm. Dave, do you have any comments on today's show? Balls. Okay, that's it. So that's a wrap for episode 55. We will see you back here next week for part two of Valley Uprising, episode 56. In the interim, we are always looking for your help. So add us on the social medias that's down on the docs at Twitter, down on the docs pod at Instagram. Send us an email at down on the docs at gmail.com. And more importantly, Leave us a review. Now, there is something I noticed that uh, you need to know, Dave. Man. People are le- leaving reviews on Spotify, Man. but I didn't know that we had to approve them. Oh. So, correct. Uh-huh. So we have discovered a bunch They've of reviews. They've been changing a lot of their shit, Spotify, Anchor. Correct. There's been a lot of their stuff. Their but, whole platform's But I want to thank since I Big Dave, Ralph Ganistan. You are a lawyer, loyal listener, yeah. and I did see all of your reviews on Spotify. Thank you. So, Spotify. So thank you for doing that. And of course, thank you to Broccoli Farms for sponsoring this week's episode. We'll see you next week.